Hi, I'm Marty. I'm Dave. I'm John. I'm Aaron. And this is Door 14 Hockey. Hello and welcome to the Door 14 Hockey Podcast. I'm your host Marty alongside John. Hello. Aaron. Hey. And tonight we have a special guest from Banners on the Wall. Anthony, how are you doing? Where am I? This doesn't look like a basic joke. You've joined us. You've came out of uh, you came from Basingstoke and you're joining us here uh, in Belfast, even you know, well, you know Belfast in Scotland. Belfast yeah. by a fife, yeah. Five five, yeah, exactly. Um for, I've fallen en- for anybody the forbidden who... door from the NIHL into the Nash- into the Elite League. <laughs> And you're very welcome, and we will get to that, don't you worry. Um, for anybody who is uh, stumbling upon uh, our live stream, because we are live right now on Facebook, Twitter, no, X, X, sorry, uh, and YouTube, um, you're very welcome if you've stumbled upon us. Uh, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, which is a tra- our traditional method of communication, um, you will be listening to us on Friday the 20... Let me get this right. Friday the 25th, which means we are on the first pre-season game of the year for some of us um here in belfast we are not affiliated with any team we should say but we do have teal teal tinted specs for some of us anyway three of us not happening um and we are looking forward to the first pre-season game of the year so some some quite some some excitement tonight anyway we're on the eve of uh of hockey um john let's go to you first how are you doing Finally, after the last two weeks of my daughter bringing a bug back from nursery, absolutely fine. Uh, thankfully, um, the last two weeks of my life could quite happily have just disappeared. Um, and I'd be happy to get to this point. So, yes, sh- long story short, I'm doing very good. Thank you. Good. And Aaron, how are you doing? I'm similar to John, although it wasn't from uh, a nursery. I-, I caught some sort of bug and brought it home and shared it with my family. I brought a bug home from, from London. Um it's all about sharing, but on the mend. And you know what? Absolutely excited, not only for the the, ho- uh, the hockey, but hearing that theme tune again. I don't know if you saw me, Marty. I was jamming away there when that music was playing. I could, I could. I um, we we in in the admin section, um, we can see the little uh, squares at the bottom, and I can see his dancing away, which is always great. And I also find this week, um, from our last stream, I also find the comment section and the little admin button. So hopefully, we'll be able to press buttons in the correct order today, which would be great. And lo- last but not least, Anthony, thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. Um, we will be coming to you and and bowing down to your knowledge, um, in a few minutes' time. Um, but tell us a bit about yourself. Um, you've been on the podcast before. I think we had it. We had you on once before as a pre-recorded section on our podcast itself maybe a couple of years back i think we were talking at the time yeah, about... it was a while ago now it was a little while yeah ago. i i think we chatted at the time about i remember it was i think john did the interview yeah. i think we were talking at the time about the nhl nihl's um system about points about penalties and stuff i think we were talking about at that point if i remember correctly but you're very welcome for uh to to this week's podcast um how are you doing any bugs there on your side in in Basistook? Uh, well, I'm actually based in Southampton, so I'm even further south oh. than that. Oh. I'm literally, if I walk too far in one direction, I'm hitting the water. Um, no, I'm good, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, it's it's very, very different to be to be on a different show, having done my show last night. Um, for the people not familiar, I'm Anthony Russell. I do a thing called Banners on the Wall. I've done it now for about 12 and a bit years that started just being focused on the Basing Stoke Bison, and now I cover as much as I possibly can of the NIHL structure 
here in England and Wales, mostly focus on the national, but I cover Division One and Division Two, uh, both North and South, as much as I possibly can do for one person. Yeah, uh, you're a very busy man um, between writing um, some fantastic blogs and, and pieces for right across the league to you're presenting your own show there. Um, is it Wednesday nights, isn't it correct? Usually it's regularly Wednesday nights, isn't it? Roughly around about there. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Uh, over on the Banners on the Banners on the Wall YouTube channel, the What's Current stream uh, that's just kind of runs throughout the NIHL season. So, I mean, I'm pretty much into my kind of running now because games are going to start sort of happening. But yeah, Wednesdays at 8 is where it's going to be for the uh for the uh, and has been for a while started on periscope um oh wow that was, a, that was a trip uh youtube is something i should have swapped to sooner um and it's it's worked really really well we had a uh, we had uh john uh, on last night the chappy runs what was epl rosters is now nihl rosters uh and yeah it's basically just kind of a bit of coverage of all five divisions we'll touch on every single game that has been played across the NIHL the previous weekend, look forward, look back, or as I've done during this summer, um, shout at Planet Ice and Tony Smith, apparently. Um, I do a bit of a mishmash of stuff on there, depending on, on what the situation is at the time. Um, and, and we were going to get into that, a lot of that stuff. I know we, uh, John, you had a, a couple of questions around the whole Steel Dogs stuff, and um, we'll, we'll get into a bit more of that. And, and we'll get into the, the famous part that I think we usually give you an, a, um, a brain aneurysm for, which is obviously development and elite league is a development so we'll, we'll have a bit of a chat about that as well um i'm sure you're looking forward yeah, to it yeah. for anybody who is new around here though um to even to our podcast or the stream um door 14 hockey is a podcast that focuses on the world of hockey from right across the uk we split our show into three periods similar to a game of hockey period one focusing on stories from around the uk period two usually focuses on nhl cross the water or just any other general uh, european league international league and in period three is our, our our general hockey news which is uh just covering up any other stories that catch our attention um and we usually finish off our podcast uh, with our overtime segment which is just questions from you guys the listeners and the watchers and we put it to the panel um guys if we're happy enough to start let us get stuck into our period one of hockey as i said period one is a roundup of around the UK. Uh, because we have Adam this week as our special guest, um, we're going to start off uh, this period with, um, I guess, kind of a, a question and answer session, a bit of a, an educational session around uh, the NIHL and all things NIHL. Um, first off, I suppose to start off, Andy, we get a lot of, um, I suppose, listeners and watchers who we, maybe we bump into um, at the arena or um, through chatting to them, whatever, whatever outlet that might be. And some of them sometimes are brand new to uh, the world of hockey. Um, some of them sometimes focus solely on the world of elite league and and that's okay as well um but if someone is new or doesn't know much about the nihl can you give us a bit quick rundown of for a, a quick lesson uh, for anybody who's maybe new to the nihl what that is and where they sit within league structures and stuff in the uk no worries so the NIHL, apart from being a spellings mistake away from the show, is the National Ice Hockey League. That is the structure in England and Wales that sits below the Elite League. It consists of three tiers, five divisions. So the what is effectively the championship of British hockey, the second tier, is what's now known as the NIHL National Division. So that is the 11, should be 12, 
but we'll get into that later, of the, uh, of the, of the teams that sort of sit one level below the Elite League. There is a substantial gap in the number of imported players. The Elite League currently has 15. The Nationalised Hockey League National Division allows you to have three. Um, they can all be on the ice at the same time now. That used to be a rule that you weren't allowed to do that. Now you can do. Below that, you then have Division 1 and you then have Division 2. Division 1 and Division 2 are regionalised. So you have the 1 North, a 1 South, a 2 North and a 2 South. Please do not ask me when you look at Elite Prospects why there are eight teams in Division 2 North and 13 teams in Division 2 South. <laughs> There's just a lot of teams in the south, apparently. A lot of amateur teams in the south who don't want to who don't want to even things up, apparently. Coventry's in the north, by the way. Did you know this? Don't tell them that. Everybody I tell in Coventry at the Sky Dome says they're not the north, but apparently they are. Uh, see, this is a problem. Nice that this is going to be a problem for, for anybody in Northern Ireland. And this is a problem I have even in my work, in my professional life. I work alongside a team, regional team, right across the whole of the UK. And when I'm sitting in meetings, sometimes people will go um, southwest. You know, they'll go, oh, I'm in the Middle East, Middle, uh, I'm in like East Midlands, I'm in blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, my geography isn't great. Um, so Coventry, yeah, I always thought that would be more south, kind of southern and not northern, but that's just me anybody else know their geography of England I mean getting into geography with regards to the island of Ireland I think is probably something we'll leave for for everybody listen my my knowledge of the the geography of England my my knowledge of the geography of England stops you know where the Scottish bit of England stops sort of anything south of Newcastle So everything's safe for you, is it, John? I mean, I'm about to. I'm going to drive to. I'm going to drive to Dumfries in November because with the Solway Sharks having joined the the NHL National Division, I have uh, I've had a, a few dealings with Solway before this change of ownership, and I said when they make it, I was going to come. So I am now committing to driving the entire length of England. <laughs> um, so I'm about to learn some geography, or at least where all the service stations are on the M6. <laughs> Um, so in terms of the National Ice Hockey League, obviously it gives a good rundown of kind of how it's structured, how it sits in terms of the teams and everything else. Um, this summer, um, during the off-season, Elite League fans um, probably became more aware, well, I suppose for a couple of different reasons, maybe they became more aware of the NIHL and, and kind of how, you know, in terms of certain things happening. So one of them would probably be the fact that a well-known Elite League player Quite a, a, um, a player had been had been batting around the elite league for quite a while. Has recently taken over there in Solway, um, in Peacock, Craig Peacock. So that's probably one of the first things, and people kind of like, oh, it was picked up their ears. The second one was obviously this um, attempted buyover that was kind of stopped, but then came through in the form of the Sheffield Steelers and the Steel Dogs agreement um, over the com- over the summer. Um, what's your take on that? In terms of obviously we know there was stuff going on in relation to you know the the people stand in the way of saying this can't happen it shouldn't be happening and and it finally did i mean what's your take on on an elite league team i suppose the sheffield steelers almost well buying and owning a nihl uh, team i think there's it's the difference here between theory and practice right and in in theory there's no problem with it and also i think the um ultimately ali cree who was the owner of the sheffield steel dogs is within his rights to sell his business to whoever he chooses um from a personal perspective and this there is a difference here i think between my personal perspective and the stuff there's my sort of weird citizen journalist blog or whatever the hell you want to call me that i found out and reported um from a personal perspective 
I think Tony Smith's words with regard to British players make him a make him initially an unsuitable person to be owning a team in the National Ice Hockey League, especially the National Division, where the majority of our players are British. Now, Tony may well, I'm a person who believes people can change. He may well have had a Saul road to Damascus moment and he may have seen the light and changed his opinion entirely as is his right to do so but his what he said about British players and the quality of the ones that are coming through I think is misguided I think he's wrong I think I think there are players of, the, of more than enough players of quality in the national division who can step up and play elite league and I think they are entertaining um, ultimately though like I say the um, you know, Ali, it's Ali's prerogative to sell his business to whoever he chooses to do so. Now, what happened with the Steel Dogs? And I will, I will say here about the stuff that I can put on public record. There was an attempt. There was uh, the. There was this obviously this press release from Planet Ice, which if you go back in onto my YouTube channel and you look through, I did a bit of a breakdown of the league's press release and Planet Ice's press release. Planet Ice talk about the fact that there was an, a, a hostile takeover attempt of the Sheffield Steel Dogs. This is a thing that happened. This was not the takeover bid by Tony Smith. Those two things are unrelated. If anything, actually, Tony Smith has, in that particular situation, has kind of helped out because Tony Smith buying the Steel Dogs, um, with as much as I disagree with some of the things Tony has said, he does at least understand the British hockey landscape and he understands hockey in Sheffield probably better than the four of us here so where people try to conflate those two things of the hostile takeover and the and the Steelers takeover they are not the same thing let's be really clear there um the issue with Tony Smith taking over was that was a thing that was initially blocked within discussions within the NIHL national division owners because and the reasons have not immediately come out um my understanding is that they were worried about what his involvement would look like and that some of the feelings my understanding were kind of similar to mine but the national division is still a relatively new league taking covid out of the way it's only had three seasons and the history of the second tier of british hockey is another great marvel that we can talk about um but essentially the national league is developing as a product it's a good level of hockey i think it's entertaining and it's on the up um and people were worried about the owner of one of the biggest teams in Britain and the chairman of the Elite League owning a team and bulldozing through and trying to get his way. Um, personal opinion, I think one of the things the National Division have been slowly getting better at is a bit of collaborative working. There's much more parity between the clubs at the top and the, to and the clubs at the bottom. There's difference in money because that's, mm. that's capitalism. But... Um, the national division was much, much of a closer league, top to bottom, than the elite league was, um, and is. But um, and I think they were worried about people coming through and trying to punch through and kind of upset the boat, which is still quite a young boat, new newish to the seas. Um, ultimately, the owners have kind of chosen hill. I've chosen initially having not wanted it, have decided that having the Steel Dogs in the league is better than not having them in the league. Uh, ultimately, I believe that's a good decision. I think the Sheffield Steel Dogs in their, in their various uh, styles of play that they've had back from Andre Payet, God rest his soul, coaching them through Greg Wood and now to Jason Hewitt. Um, having a Sheffield-based team in the second tier is an asset to British hockey. And ultimately, 
whilst I do not believe that given his past statements, Tony Smith has necessarily earned enough goodwill from me to not be skeptical of what's going to happen. He's now the guy who owns the Sheffield Steel Dogs. He's going to have to lay out the plan. Let's see. Let's see what happens, because ultimately some things in the NIHL national are 75 percent of a vote. Some are 100. So he if Tony can convince enough people around his way of thinking, then we'll see what happens. But the um, it may not be the smoothest of sailings in the initial period, I think, until people are willing at, at that level to see that Tony's willing to kind of play ball with everybody else. Also, I'm sure he's a really nice person to speak to. I'd love to speak to him. I think it'd be a really good thing for him to speak to somebody within the NIHL kind of media sphere to kind of allay people's fears. I've offered. I've offered in public. I'll offer again right now. The mic is open for him to come and speak to me, and I'll have a robust and good conversation with him where we can disagree and it not be a disaster. But uh, yeah, I I, res- I remain health. I have a healthy skepticism of of the situation. Uh, I do have a wish the players and the fans well for this upcoming year. Huey's got a good squad together. He's got some of the best individual pl- some of the individuals that are the best in their position in the league. So it'll be it'll be interesting to. See now they've got that stability what Sheffield Steel Dog Hockey looks like in this new era mm. and that's a really good point some of the points you've came back I'm actually going to probably come back something you talked about I want to go on I want to kind of pull out a bit more there but I will come back to the Steel Dogs thing because we did get a question in from, from one of our listeners just in relation to Steel Dogs and, and potential future but just on some couple of bits you were saying there obviously you were saying about the, the, the gap from top to bottom in relation to the NIHL but then you were talking about the changes that were kind of happening it's a young in reality, it's still quite a young league in terms of finding its feet and kind of moving forward and everything else. Um, and we've seen a lot of change this com- this past week in relation to you know the um, the, the, the announcing things like the WHF um, rules being brought in and adopted as part of um, changes for the 2023-2024 season. Uh, the Department of Player Safety has now been created as kind of the same idea of the top style creation of, of, of player safety. Um, do you think this is kind of more of a, a way we, we talked about it maybe previous years John I think if you agree with me we talked about this maybe in a po- previous podcast about this one united kind of front for hockey right across the UK and at the moment still looks quite you know what what the, 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 the leagues are kind of doing kind of seem to be quite different do you think this is like maybe some the first kind of instance we're seeing things starting to kind of become more joined up and in line do you think or Sorry, that was too. <laughs> I mean, given the fact the UIHA members turned down unification was a bit of a kick in the teeth because we could have already had that. Um, the certainly the thing with DOPS, right? And I, um, I use this adage a lot: talent borrows, genius steals. DOPS from the elite league, uh, I, I think its execution at times has been pretty poor, but the premise is brilliant right it works it, it, like the basic premise of dops works um the fact they are wildly inconsistent with how they apply those rules is a thing that happens i can't remember who it was from gilbert who didn't get a ban for elbowing a guy in the head last year when he flicked his elbow out and elbowed a guy in the head but the idea in its in premise is fine like it makes sense to do that and it was the, that kind of application of the rules in that sense is kind of where the world is traveling. So the EIHA doing this next year is just the lower tiers is kind of catching up with what 
other people are doing and that change of wording around some of the bits and pieces in um in the rule book like the removal of match penalties for a lot of things it's like like i say i mean i don't necessarily feel that change is particularly warranted i like the idea of a match penalty i actually like the idea of there being a really really severe level of penalty where you have been such a numpty on this that you definitely you need out and you need out for a while like you can properly go sit on the naughty step um like no beer on the bus for you sunshine's levels worth of stuff but hockey as a sport is traveling in that way where we're kind of working more towards rather than just immediately giving someone a one game suspension it's like you are out of this game and you are sat and we are now going to sit down here is our framework of how we're going to assess this let's do that and let's move on and actually if the if the national, particularly as well, where we're looking down the barrel from what we understand of the national division kind of stepping out of the EIHA structure and the NIHL structure for 24-25 and becoming an independent entity like the BNL used to be, um, then they're going to need to work on that kind of premise in the same way that the the Ice League in Austria and Hungary and, and, um, and has that kind of thing and the Alps League, the level below that, has the same thing so working to that kind of premise and also that's good for players because they're not going to get you know those guys coming through they're going to get a consistency of maybe not everything will be exactly the same in terms of application but the idea of this happens so that happens x begats y begats z so that's only going to help the players know what's coming down the pipeline for them later on which you know they're the guys playing the game it's probably good to make things a little bit easier for them to understand one thing I um, absolutely love that you mentioned there. Sorry, you talk about uh, options or you know, possible rules, but bans. One that I want to see is exactly what you just said: no beer on the bus for you, sunshine. When can we bring in that rule on that call? I ain't having that argument with some of the boys I know. <laughs> I guess when they stop giving out, and it's the same in the elite league, when they stop giving out booze and gin as a, a man of the match award, um, whenever it stops being that, it's more just I mean, like I mean, a. Fair I don't play know. to Cardiff. Fair play to Cardiff. They've just done a deal with Penderin, uh, which is a, a, a maker of very, very nice whiskey. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll go play for Pete Russell if that's the incentive, um, <laughs> to be honest. I'll be, I'll, I'll be the extra Brit. I'll, I'll, I'll play on the fourth line for 20 quid. I don't. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the Belfast Giants um, Man of the Match um, presentation award. But they get they get like a. I think it's it's a gin or whiskey, John. But it's a, it's in the shape of it's a Giants Causeway hexagon. Uh, the bottle of the bottle itself. The bottle just looks amazing. <laughs> I, just want the bottle. I think it's I think it's gin. I'm pretty sure it is gin. I think it's Causeway either Giants Causeway or Causeway gin. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing looking bottle. Anyway, we got off track there. Um, John, do you have any not, questions not a before drink, I move not a gin on? Not gin drinker, but I like the premise. Good premise, uh, John. You have any questions? Um, my key one is like we've talked a couple of times over the last couple of seasons, Anthony. The the EIJ disciplinary system has come up a couple of times with some interesting decisions here or there. We saw one at the back end of last season, two year ban. Um, my one thing I've always said though is, and I've always taken this as being a massive positive, is the transparency, the level of transparency now. Perhaps maybe not with this the two-year ban that we saw at the end of last season. I think that one was slightly muddier than other decisions that we've seen come out of that disciplinary panel. Um, my biggest question with all of this, with all the changes that are being made, is, is that transparency going to remain or are we going to end up 
in a, the same sort of position with the NIHL where the EIHL, for example, the, the DOPS is just a complete mystery. It's put your hand in a, a, a dark box, pull out a number, and that's the ban that you get. Uh, the level of fine, what is it? Who knows? Where does the money go? Nobody knows. Um, it probably went to Tony to help him buy the Steel Dogs. Um, but is, is that a risk? Or am I reading too much into it with this rebrand of it being DOPS? Um, I think the thing that you are probably misunderstanding a little bit here is that the that was only for match penalties. So if you got a match penalty, there was a set tariff depending on what you got the match penalty for. Um, that lack of transparency surrounding discipline uh, disciplinary decisions is still there in the EIHA. It is, it's a little bit of uh, time off tombola, like you said. Hand goes into the box, pull out an ammo, <laughs> legs 11. Um, and kind of working out like that. But um, I think the... I mean, I, I'm fortunate with the position that I've, that I've sort of ended up in, um, having sort of you know, levered my way into it by accident, where I, I can have those conversations with people within the EIHA. And the thing I always said to them was, is that if you're banning people outside, you're adding on bits and pieces. Because one, you know, one of the big things is, and I don't know whether they do this in the elite league system, I, I think they do. But like essentially from like the repeat offender perspective with dops right like if you uh, like you've checked a guy to the head and like knocked him out of the game and given him a concussion you've injured a player and oh look you did the same thing six weeks ago you get more time um it was it was a penalty point system in in uh, and it still is in in eiha organized leagues where you will you know if you get a major i can't remember the exact point numbers off the top of my head and i apologize for that but like say you got like a game misconduct that's three penalty points get a match penalty that's five penalty points and you hit you'd hit certain limits and then you would get an extra number of games on top of that so you might get your third match penalty of the season because you've run a guy through the numbers and you know rearranged his teeth for him in in the plexiglass but if that's you but you've also crossed the penalty point threshold so the map the the table that you saw that's on the iha website is the minimum tariff so that is the lowest level that they'd go to. So they could increase. So like you saw with um, with Uri Husker uh, accidentally playing pole vault with a stick um, and and uh, that, that kind of thing. But like the that's the, they, what the table you saw was the starting point and it kind of went up from there. And yeah, it was, you know, rules of rules have always sort of been chopped and changed around to kind of do things in a slightly different way. Emphasis has changed. I remember, um, I remember Ralph Sassenis now of the Bristol Pitbulls, then of, then of Streatham. Um, he ended up getting a game misconduct playing for Streatham against, I think it was in Victor because he was a judge to have spat at um, Scott Bailey during a fight. This was during COVID. There was no match penalty for um, the spitting and the um, and there was no nothing within the rules of competition to give him supplementary discipline. That's the kind of weird thing. And then mysteriously, after that happened, and they realised that they couldn't do anything about it, suddenly, <laughs> in-house variation of the rules, if you're a judge, you get a game or a match penalty for spitting. You will sit a minimum of X number of X number of games. That's the kind of thing we do. The conversations I've had with the IHA about it are that the I said we should know who's on the disciplinary committee 
We should know who's there. It should be transparent. We should know who's making these decisions. And if you've had to rotate somebody off because, I don't know, if somebody's the club secretary for Blackburn, for example, and you sit on the disciplinary committee normally, and all of a sudden Blackburn's star player is on, you know, is uh, up in front of the disciplinary committee because he slew-footed a guy, who have we swapped them out for? The IHA said... We don't think it's safe because people get people when we've known people who've known he's been on the disciplinary committee have caught abuse in public and private. We don't think that's fair. And I said, okay, you need to at least give us the leeway of letting us know who the chair of the disciplinary committee is. Who's the person who's chaired the committee that's made that decision? Let us know that because ultimately they should be an EIHA functionary, and it's a name we should all have access to anyway. Um, yeah, it's well, that's not it's, happened. It's good to know that you've got the same same issues. Actually, <laughs> I was, I was just... from from us looking on the outside, it looks like you guys have got it golden, but actually, it turns out you've got all the same issues we've got. I was just about um, to say, it, looks, it just sounds so similar. It just in ways like it's things that we've talked about even here in the Elite League and in our previous podcasts, where we've talked about one of the big things with Dobson and one of the big frustrations is that there's no transparency about who is the people, like who's who. Like we know that there's the her, the person at the top that is overseeing you know mm. disciplinary in that part but we don't know who it is that gets sent the tapes every week and has to review and do all we don't know and they don't tell us you know but part of me to rectify myself for not knowing that though i think that's the thing i think if you i think if you know who the person is at the top and there is an accountable name i think that works the the good thing about the tariff system was a level of consistency for the most part the bad thing about dops is from the app from the outside looking at the elite league is the consistency of elite league dops is shocking it's all over the shop. It's more lumpier than my grandma's mash. Like, I, and, and that's the thing that confuses me. Like, the the thing I notice is that very few people in the elite league are repeat offenders for the most part. And the um, and so somebody will get a penalty, they'll get banned for a couple of games, and then generally, generally, you won't see their name pop up again. But the uh, and maybe it's the you know the the curse of my own eyes kind of looking at it, but I'll look at a thing and go, Ugh, that doesn't look very nice. And you'll see something that looks even worse and it got less games. And you just, and, all, and I'm sure you guys do the same thing. Your hands go up in the air and you just go, ah, that, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> I'm guessing now kind of thing. So uh, yeah, it's, there are, there are advantages. There were things that the IHA system did well. There are things that, like I said, like I said, Dops as a premise is, is a great thing. I think it's good for the Elite League. I think it'll be good for the National League ultimately, and hopefully the whole of the IHA. Um, I'm going to move. This, I'm going to take us back to a topic um, that we were talking about earlier, and that was the Steelers. But I'm going to bring in a question from one of our listeners. Um, this is um, from from regular contributor to the show, uh, Mark um, at, at, at Hot Dog Pen sixty seven uh, on X, not Twitter. Um, he, he asked the question and he wanted me to put it through while we had you on. Um, his, his question was, with the Steelers taking over the ownership of the Steel Dogs and what feels like an increase in two-way contracts in the Elite League, we will come back to that, uh, do you think it would be possible in the future for UK hockey to have a similar setup as North America where NHL teams have affiliates in the AHL, ECHL, um, so the players would move up and down? So I think this is probably going to that question of the whole developmental style of stuff. Um, and this is a question to everybody. Anybody, anybody can ask this question, but we'll go, Anthony, we'll come to you first. I mean, what's your thoughts on the on the whole idea of potentially, you know, that kind of structure, maybe future of, you know? I appreciate why Elite League fans look very heavily towards North America because it's where a lot of your imports come from. I actually think that a 
them more closer to what the J cooperation agreements. There's a set number of guys who can just rotate around and do whatever they want. And if they're not going to play for the big club, they can get released to, to the little club and used as and when. I don't necessarily think an AHL, uh, NHL, AHL style structure is the best thing. I mean, with it being within, you know, Sheffield is now a hockey entity in and of itself. So it's a bit of a moot point there. But I don't necessarily know how well that that kind of a formalised structure necessarily would work in British hockey just because of the way, the different way businesses are run here. Um, I don't think in and of it, I get why people think it's a good idea because we literally watch it work every day <laughs> for the better part of 10 months of the year. Um, but the I, like I say for me I just I just feel like having that that slightly looser structure probably would actually benefit British hockey a little bit better um, and I think that's also a little bit more player centric actually and actually one of the things that British hockey as a whole um, needs to be better at is being a bit more holistic when it comes to the approach with the players and not viewing them so much as assets because that's kind of, that's what they are in in an NHL system they are an asset whereas actually it works differently in Europe and it's not a bad thing that it does things are allowed to be different here and being a bit more player centric in that model and having that kind of more elongated contract. Um, where they can kind of, you know, that sort of multi-registration thing where they can kind of play anywhere is is a really, really good thing. And you can still have those development pathways. Um, the Iceberg Berlin in the DEL have a cooperation contract with uh, the Lausitz of Fuxa, Vice Vassa, between DEL and DEL2. Uh, Vice Vassa have a cooperation contract with Rostock, which is my German team. And those players then go, go between DEL two in the Oberliga so there is effectively just a big Venn diagram in that sort of part of East Germany where a player can go from playing on the Baltic coast to playing in the Lausitz to playing in Berlin effectively in a couple of years and it kind of works a bit more that way and like I say it just feels a bit more player centric rather than just kind of like you chess piece move here you chess piece move mm -hmm. here um, yeah. so yeah I mean like if that's the route the elite league really wanted to go down uh, I mean, it's a system, and we know it works. I don't. I personally don't think it's the best system, but if we can get a better player pathway, then I don't see it's a bad thing. Yeah, I think it's a good point, John. Any any pointers on that? Anything else to add to that? Yeah, and no, I mean, I totally agree with it. I think um, as far as the sort of affiliate thing, I think we'd all like to see a clearer pathway for the players um, all the way through. Um, the the biggest thing, and Anthony, you actually—I tuned into your um, your stream a couple of weeks ago, and, and you said it best. I think the there is no precedent with Sheffield, and that's potentially the the dangerous thing. The the fee that was paid for Tony Smith to essentially operate the the team in Sheffield with the Steel Dogs, this uh, fifty thousand pounds, it's effectively created a franchise fee, um, which is the the massive potential here. So the teams with deep pockets could potentially go and do that. Now, geography is not on everyone's side. Uh, the other nine teams, uh, some have it easier than others. Belfast, for example, really don't have it easy. Um, you've either got to put guys on boats or planes uh, rather than going from one ice pad to the other in Sheffield. Um, but that being said, look at the links that have been made with 
or, so weird, or team on the rise. Or bring back the Castlereagh Knights. Well, there's that as well. Absolutely. Um, and there, look, there is still talk of the second ice pad in Belfast. If that comes, then that's potentially where it comes from. And look, that's a position where the Giants just front up the 50k, and there's your second franchise there. Um, so, yeah, there's there's good examples. And actually, uh, Paddy Smith's uh, dropping into the comments here. Uh, I notice, and he's made the point of what you were chatting about, Anthony, with the uh, the sort of the progression path. Um, he said it here in the comments that Sam Rope uh, uh, with Ice Baron is on that path. Um, interestingly, Anthony, he, he also asks you a question uh, in the comments. Uh, what's on your windowsill? <laughs> ah, so I'll make this really, really brief. Um, I'm apparently, in my family, awkward to buy for uh, when it comes to birthdays and Christmas because I like a lot of really specific things. Um, so there is always a joke present. My mother is a woman who does not have a ton of money but is incredibly practical. So the joke present get is what my mum does for me every year. So what we have, um, we have the bowling pin from my son's birthday party this year. Um, the joke present for my birthday this year was a honky-tonky-donky. So I got bought a Honky Tonk CD and my mum adopted a donkey. So that's Timothy. Uh, I, I asked one year, one Christmas for a monkey that's a monk with a key. So we have Brother Oo sitting over there. And I asked one Christmas for a reindeer that's ready for some reindeer. So we have a reindeer water bottle with some boots that she bought from Build-A-Bear and a, a rain mat that she bought from Build-A-Bear. That's amazing. Um, it's only because the hockey. Sh I have what's called the hockey shelf in my house, but it's just it's in a really awkward place where I can't stream from. So everybody just gets everybody gets gets the reindeer and brother Uu to kind of stare at them incessantly from behind. I love the reindeer that's ready for reindeer. That's that's pretty awesome. That's that's pretty that's pretty epic. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm gonna bring us back to hockey if that's okay. Um, just kind of we were talking obviously about obviously the, the whole idea then of the the north or the the kind of NHL style kind of movement around, and obviously that's not something that maybe that's gonna be it's gonna you know ever really be effective here in the UK for UK hockey. Um, but it takes me into the kind of the question, and this is another question that came through from um from MK, MKL two thousand. 2002 uh, he sent through a good question and it's kind of the closest thing we probably have to the kind of that that swapping across of players and sharing talent um, and that's obviously the two-way contracts that we're currently seeing um between the eihl and the um and the nihl um i suppose the question he's put is um is there any player this year um that's on a two-way contract um between the elite league and the nihl that you think ha will have the biggest impact so will they have the biggest impact in the NIHL? So taking what they're getting in the Elite League and the experience they're getting in the Elite League, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact in the NIHL? Um, Anthony, uh, I suppose we'll come to you first because obviously um, you probably have your thoughts on this already. Is there a player you think you've seen signed so far this season that you um, that you think is going to take what they're learning in the Elite League and and, and make a big a big run? Yeah. I suppose the example he has given is obviously last year, we ha we seen well actually it's a separate question but um he's given an example of sean norris um made a bit of a big impact here in belfast especially in the playoff run um to the point where he has signed a full-time contract this season um for the for the belfast giants um do you see any player at the moment that you would see making an impact the big player that i'm excited to watch and the one i think will will do one and you will probably like me for this Mason Alderson is a very, very exciting prospect for this country. And the fact he is back home for whatever reasons he's decided to come back home 
is, is great because it means we all get to kind of watch them a bit better and more. Um, the the only thing I am worried about is his propensity to get ice time in the situations that suit his style with Belfast. Because the thing I've said, and David David McJimsey says this a lot on AVFTB. Uh, they've got to earn their ice time. They've got to do. They've got to, you know earn the coach's trust. They have got to do that, but you've also got to set them up to succeed. Playing Sean Norris as a grinder is a pointless exercise. When you put Sean Norris into positions to play Sean Norris's game, and he made the point last night himself about being prepared to be adaptable, and yeah, he is adaptable. But putting Sean Norris in a position to score goals, unsurprisingly, Sean Norris scored goals. Sean Norris should have been in the EIHL full-time last year. Sam Talbot should have been in the EIHL full-time last year um they were ready then they are both very very ready now the um but yeah the thing with like i say the thing with sean and it, like i say when it eventually happened it happened unsurprisingly because sean norris has busted his rear end i remember watching him score four goals in the division two national final for slough like he he has put in the yards and put in the miles to be where he is the fact he has a full-time contract is a massive massive credit to that young man i have absolutely zero doubt that mason alderson is on that same path he he is he, he refuses to be denied kind of wherever he's gone and he is at uh, the fact he's in that sort of Solway Belfast kind of loop that you got going on with Kel Beatty, who is also fantastic, scored the best own goal I've ever seen in the history of the sport in the 2022 Division One National Final for Solway. Uh, went absolute top bin, side footed, top bins past his own keeper, which is, um, you know, don't play too touch with Kel Beatty. But no, Mason, Mason is Mason is a different is is a different gravy at this level he is going to be really really good for Solway when he if, like I say my worry with the elite league is just about is these young British players being bought in and it's like you've got to earn your you've got to earn your ice time putting a goal scorer in your first line fourth line to crash and bang is not setting them up to succeed or you up to succeed don't do it give them the chances where they can actually show what they, their game their style of play is you will get the best out of them Mason's go, Mason if he gets the opportunity he's going to go gangbusters it's going to be amazing to watch um, John, same question to you. Um, any any two way players that you've seen on the currently signed up for? I think now if I if I looked at my statistics correctly, if I looked at my my data correctly this morning, I think there's only six teams so far in the elite league who have taken on a two way two way contract players. Um, and actually, ironically, it doesn't look like uh, Sheffield have actually brought in any two way players, um, which is kind of slightly ironic. Um, not, but John, yeah, there... because it was quite it was quite late in the game with everything. So I think um, Tony Smith gave an interview yesterday i think it went out on socials and he's kind of said give it two two seasons um is, is what he's kind of said um interestingly enough the, the name that i've uh had in my head here is actually one that someone has commented on uh in the the chat actually and i'm gonna throw this up casey gallagher uh said harewood on the, the bristol cardiff um two-way that's that's a definite interesting one to to keep an eye on and that's if I'm taken away from the fact that <laughs> there you go, uh, if I take away the fact that I would uh, be looking at uh, the guys in teal first and foremost, uh, because they're the quantity that I know more than than anything, um, that's definitely the the name that I'd be looking at there uh, as well. Yeah, um, I, as I showed my my little sticky note that I made earlier on when I was doing my notes and stuff, it's exactly who I had written down. Um, mainly because I just think they, you know, he had a really good showing um, for GB as well. Um, this past champion, um, you know, during the, um, the junior championships and stuff there this previous year, but also, and again, this is I think I just feel like 
I feel like Cardiff are usually in a good position where they kind of do, and, and this isn't saying that other teams aren't doing it, but I just feel like Cardiff sometimes are a team that does tend to use that that as you know that those kind of two-way contracts to their advantage quite often. Now Guildford would be the same. I would say Guildford have um, Zach Milton, isn't it? It's going to Guildford this year and a two-way contract there. And I think again he 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 has high numbers already in the NIHL, but I think you know, the options there where Guildford maybe will have more, maybe give him more, slightly more ice time as well. Again, it could be an opportunity to, there too. But I, I just or, think... Or any I think ice time right. at all. Well, I think they would, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think Guildford would, would probably be a, a team that's probably more attuned to maybe giving it. I, I don't know. Um, I just... And then the other thing, and again, this is probably a controversial one. Um, some of the other some of the other teams have brought in um, goaltenders as their two-way um, contracts. And I, I mean, no offence at all and I don't mean this in any sense and you probably understand where I'm going with this but signing a goaltender on a two-way contract I just feel like sometimes I think it's a bit more like lip service than it is actually because let's be realistic they're being brought in some of these some of those young lads are being brought in as like a third option goaltender you know when you've already got two goaltenders like Nottingham I think have brought in a goaltender um I think they've brought in a two-way goaltender this year but they've already got two international goaltenders on their roster and you kind of think well when's that young lad going to get a chance to actually play um so it's 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 an interesting one when you when you look at that way anyway we could be we could talk about it for ages but um and we'll, we'll certainly not be developing them no, no. um so i <laughs> used to develop there is another, there's another name brought in there from uh the same person that john was talking about uh Cassie Gall- Casey gallagher has put in another name there um uh, jamie smith who was uh, a swindon d-man so again we've got more mm-hmm. more people talking about other potential candidates there you, what do you think of him, Anthony? You, you Jamie Smith is one for the future. So right now. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Jamie's one for the future. He's not really one for right now, but the um, the, he is, he sort of appeared out of nowhere in, in a Swindon team last year that lurched massively in consistency. And this year, not to give away too much of my own preview, they have the widest window as to the high and low of where they'll finish, in my opinion. But their D yeah. was an issue last year. And it meant that Jamie got an opportunity to get more minutes. Jamie Smith took his opportunity and got more minutes as a result of it. He looks, he he's on the simmer. I think is the best thing to do. He how he performs this year will have a will probably have quite a great say. Keep an eye on the name, especially if you live in the southwest. Is what I'd say. Um, guys, I'm going to use this opportunity. Uh, Anthony, I hope you don't mind. We're going to maybe switch focus from NHL, maybe move towards be a bit more towards the elite league. If that's okay with you, um, let's because we are talking about obviously those two way players and those two way signings that have been happening um, right across the off season. Um, let's have. I was going to hope you guys we could have a quick look just at the the current rosters transfers that have been happening over the last month or so since the last time we were recording, um, and just kind of get your thoughts if anybody has jumped out at you so far. Um, John, I'm going to start off with you. Um, obviously there's some exciting signings have been happening we talked about it in our last podcast together um some of the teams um are out this year to kind of obviously change their fortune i suppose and and i suppose reshape um you know how how they ended their previous seasons we're looking mostly at those teams up and around the north there up in scotland we talked about how um we've seen a big change there in glasgow and 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 the moves that we're making there and fife we're making moves too um what's your take so far so in the last month is there anything in particular that has jumped out at you in terms of transfers or roster changes you've said it right there the, the biggest thing jumping out to me at the minute is fife um i think they 
are going into this season, they always kind of go in as a bit of an unknown quantity. Um, but with Tom Cullen coming in um, as head coach, he's made some impressive changes and seems to have made some very impressive signings. Don't get me wrong, I don't think they're going to go on a run. I don't think we're looking at a, a treble winning Five Flyers uh, team here, but I do think we're looking at a very, very different Five Flyers team. Um, they, what is it, 12, ex- 12 new signings? Uh, something like that. Uh, it's effectively a, a, a whole new start. I mean, they're, they're branding it as a new era. I mean, something we did in Belfast 10 years ago, um, mm. but they are calling it the, the new era for Fife. Um and it really is. Um, I hope alongside that new era, one of the biggest signings that uh, could come is uh, a tarmac and crew to go in and do the car park. Um, the other two Scottish teams, I can't look past them either. Um, I think Dundee under Mark Lefebvre, on his return to Dundee, I think he has brought what he got in North America and Europe. He is, he's bringing people, he's bringing the contacts that he's made. That looks like a strengthened Dundee team. Um, and Glasgow, I mean, Glasgow are the eternal question is what are Glasgow going to do this season? Are they going to do what on paper they should, which is challenge for every single piece of silverware on offer this season? Or are they going to be the butt of every joke and completely collapse and fall apart uh, the same way that uh, that Sheffield do after Christmas every year? Uh, or Nottingham, sorry, after Christmas every year. Um, so... Yeah, I think the Scottish teams have have a lot going on. Don't get me wrong, the big teams, I think, have done nothing but strengthen. But I think the Scottish teams have upped their game. Uh, and I think they look like... Uh, I've just noticed that our friend uh, Fuzz has uh, put in the comments there, are Fife going to be more competitive? Uh, yeah, I think they are, Fuzz. Uh, I don't think there's any question. Uh, I think, on paper, they should be more competitive. But look, there's so far, everyone's played no minutes. So it's just a paper exercise right now. Um, again, I suppose, um, and, and this is an open question to anyone who wants to um, take uh, take it on, or anybody um, has any kind of particular thoughts. Um, is there anybody so far from any of the teams that have signed that you think has uh, is a standout signing that uh, is going to light up this league? I guess is the question. Silence. Um, my first question, I suppose, then comes the it comes in the fact that like we have obviously Sheffield I mean, the lad this from week. Dundee, the lad from Dundee, who's signed, who looks like he's going to go punch everyone. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, what I was going to say was we have the Sheffield Steelers who have confirmed this week that obviously their signing at the start of the week was for Josh Nichols who came from the KHL into the Elite League um, an interesting story of how that all tra- how that all came about and and, and how, um, how he feels about the fact that he was in, in a I suppose in a country that's at war in a playing for in a league that was at, um, in a country that was in war um, and, and, and kind of escaping that kind of atmosphere and moving to the Elite League obviously he's joining Iron Fox and um, so it's an unknown how 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 it'll go there. But anybody else? I mean, I think um, I think did if I remember correctly, um, was it um, was it uh, was it Erickson for Flyers or was it the Glasgow clan this week who announced someone? And it seemed like it was this, the second coming of Christ. Um, that, that's the Fife sign, and that's Erickson for Fife. He just, looks lights out. Um, he looks like he. No offence to, I mean, I'm sitting here in Fife and I'm going to say this, he doesn't look like a Fife Flyers player. I'm going to say it. Um, but that being said, Shane Owen doesn't look like a Fife Flyers goaltender. Um, and I say that with all 
all kudos to Fife and what they're doing this season, but they this is what I was talking about. They, they have made signings that don't look like Fife Flyer signings. They are very clearly Tom Coolen signings. Yeah, and I, I do definitely, I definitely think that uh, Fife is definitely going in a, a completely new direction. It's, it, it is definitely an interesting um, one, and definitely one worth watching this season coming. Um, if anybody else, anybody else have anything before we move on to our next story? Well, I, I, we've got a, like a lot of teams that have a lot of changes, and I'm going to put on my tail tinted glasses here. Uh, unfortunately, um, what I'm actually really looking forward to, we've we've seen quite a bit of change in the Giants mm-hmm. and what I'm really looking forward to yes there's a lot of great new players as well I'm just looking forward to see see Kiefer do it again if he can do it again like we've seen we've seen that he, he, he was able to do it with you know, the treble last year with the team and it's, it's really good like people were thinking oh is he going to come back is he going to do it again he's done it so why doesn't he move on like now it's not like he's going to get to this year and he has the same players so if he'd done it again all right, well, he had he had the mix. We've got a good bit of change in the Giants. So if we have a good level of success, I think that just shows, again, just shows a level of, of talent. Look, if he, if he does it again, Sheldon just steps to the side and yeah, yeah. Adam just takes the Leafs. I mean, that's... Martin, I think you're the Leafs I, fan. You, you, I you would have to be happy bet. with that. Yeah, I think we should put that out on Twitter, see if they'll take it, take the bet, um, you know, keep her for, keep her for the Leafs. I mean, like Kiefer. If Kiefer went home, I don't think Kiefer went home over the summer because of his his wee girl being quite young. But I mean, that that would be a sore one for Sheldon because I mean, Keith's Adam's carry on is the treble. Uh, <laughs> he's three extra chairs at the table for dinner. I mean, what's what's Sheldon bringing? Yeah. Um, well, we'll talk about Sheldon in the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second period. Obviously, um, they're big go. news this week. Um, no, it's an interesting fair point, Aaron. Um, and I suppose the big thing to say is obviously tomorrow we will be seeing the first. Uh, well, for tomorrow, today, depending on when you're listening to the podcast or whatever, um, we will be seeing that the first. Um, I suppose our our first taste of the new look Belfast Giants. But talking about new looks, um, see what I did there. See what I did. Uh, we're also going to see the Cardiff Devils, who who Belfast Giants will be facing off against. Um, tomorrow in the SSA Arena. Um, the Cardiff Devils, when I say new look, Cardiff Devils, I don't just mean team roster. I also mean this news. We haven't had a chance to talk about it, and I know it's probably old news by now, but it's definitely something we want to talk about. And Anthony, let us know your thoughts on it too. But uh, Cardiff Devils, um, in the last, um, on the 3rd of August, start of August, um, on their fan night, um, their, their, their traditional yearly fan night, they, uh, I suppose, had everything covered up and, and, and logos on the ice were covered. We were like, what is going on here? Uh, to the announcement that the Cardiff Devils were rebranding, um, bringing, raising hell and, and changing up their look. Um, I mean, guys, you know, the Belfast Giants went through a brand change. Um, we changed up our logo um, just over two seasons ago now um, to probably, I don't know, I don't know if there's the same level of reaction at that point, but the Cardiff Devils' reaction to the the change up of their logo and their and how their team and everything their I suppose everything about their team. I mean, do you think it was what? What's your thoughts, John? We I talked mean, about this off offline before, though, and I think it was Dave. And I kind of know Dave's not here. I'll I'll put Dave's point out there. I think he made the point that it maybe wasn't as big of a reaction from the Giants fan as because we didn't, we had that alternate logo. A similar alternate logo beforehand. Do some magic there? 
Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. So there was hints of it. It might not have been a big, you know, big, there was a re- big rebrand coming, but there was hints coming and saw the, the new, the new logo. It was obviously a mash of, of what we saw was coming where with, it, it just looks like the her devils fans were, were, Caught by headlights. Yeah, it I looked look like. Yeah, way. you said it there, Marty. It, they were blindsided by it. They didn't know it was coming. The team gave absolutely no allusion to it that this was coming. And honestly, it's executed so so poorly. Um, the logo, all the jokes were have been out there for now for like two weeks. Uh, that it looks like the um, the laughing cow. Logo. The laughing cow, love it. Um, the this whole and thing it, I went through have, have the, any of you the, the generic the, story, the generic the, brand the generic brand symbol from the NHL game which someone did a yep. copy of if anyone's gone through the they've got a link from their designers on their website on the story about their um, their sort of move and their story and why they've done it all and some of the bits and pieces are just waffle I mean this this design house have just created work for themselves and charged for it um, the the fact that the horns are supposed to look like a C and a D in absolutely no way at all do those what? horns look like C and D. The is mutton chops out the side are supposed to be flames. Well, if they're supposed to be flames, why are they the same color as the face of the devil? Um, it's just so bad. And then, of course, all the comparisons were made, as you were saying, Aaron, with the rebrand that Belfast went through. It's a move from this forward-facing logo, exactly the same as what the Giants had with the old fin. Um, now to this um, profile, which yes is more fitting with the sort of modern game, modern logos. They said things about the fact that it's now scalable, that they can do more with it. It's uh, an easier to use piece of branding. Mm. If that's why they've done it, then at least just be honest and say, look, we've done it because it's easier for us to send stuff to the printers and get replica jerseys made that we're still going to charge you a fortune for. Um, and that's something I'm I'm working on at the minute, which I'm going to bring up at a, a future podcast is uh, sort of comparison of prices for uh, things like jerseys uh, mm. alongside some other stuff. And I'm, I'm working on that as a slow burn, but 130 quid for uh, a pro jersey. Um, and we thought we were being... Let's be honest, we thought we were being ripped off in Belfast. 120 quid last season for a pro jersey. It was stitching. Cardiff went, hold my beer. Add a tenner onto that. Um, and here's your new logo. On some really poorly designed jerseys too, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a later podcast once all the teams have released their jerseys. Well, we'll talk about the jersey in a minute because I did have a comment on the jersey. Anthony, did you have a, something, a comment there? You looked like you were about to say something. I don't think the logo is as bad as everybody says it is. The bigger issue is why. Like, oh, it's easier to scale. Nah, you've, you've blown up years of branding and a logo that was actually really, really good because of convenience? Like, that's a really bad argument, fellas. Like, the Cardiff ownership have been an interesting group to watch from the outside and they've had some hits and they've had some misses. Uh, this this shot's gone out for a throw-in, boys. Like, dearie me. Yeah. Like, I genuinely, as a piece of artwork, it ain't that bad. I can't draw. Um, so, you know, it's better than anything I would have designed. It would have been a devil's stick man if you'd asked me to draw their logo. And it's and everybody's saying, oh, it looks horrible. No, it doesn't. It looks better than most things any of us could draw. Like, there are far worse logos in hockey in Britain. Like, 
like it's not as bad as everybody says it is as a piece of design artwork the bigger issue is just why they've done it yeah. like it's non it's nonsensical if the, if we were at the beginning of this big new era for the devils which we're not really like it's been a bit rocky in cardiff the last couple of years things haven't quite gone the way they'd like it fife is a re is a hit of the reset button cardiff getting a slightly better coach is not a reset like it's just the turning of the wheels of of minor league hockey like throwing away years of decent branding because we can do more stuff with it literally like i've said they've done it for convenience like Mm. that's dim like hockey is a hockey is a business but it's a business that trades on people's emotions and when you trade on people's emotions don't do stupid stuff with people's emotions this stream it's not, hard, me. it's not a hard credo to live by they've done this, some they've made for no reason this, this stream nerd needs reactions I, i'm as anthony you were talking there i, I needed like thumbs up and, and 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 collapse and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I was thinking the exact same thing. The problem being, it was that what people are doing is comparing it to the original iconic Devils logo, and because they were absolutely in love with that, that was a great logo, the original one. And then when you see the new one, you're like, mm. I stand, I stand. The Devils logo, as it was, the '97 to 2003 logo was lights out. Probably one of the best in the elite league um, <coughs> yeah it was and- it was older than the giants as an organization by a few years um and it, it looked like a progression from the original logo this looks like a departure entirely um and in, in, like in the same it's actually in the same vein as what brayhead to glasgow when that happened because they had such a massive departure and it meant that You've, Anthony's right. Hockey and sport is emotional, and people wear the colours of their team. Um, and yes, we had a fairly substantial rebrand here in Belfast, but I think because generally speaking, colours stayed the same, um, and the logo might have changed. But nobody feels out of place wearing an old jersey uh, in Belfast. And I'm not suggesting that anyone in Cardiff is going to feel out of place wearing this new logo if they choose to part with their money for it. But when you've got such history behind, like an entire generation have only known this logo. Um, and that that's a, a tougher pill to swallow in a league of this size. Like we're, we're not the NHL. Um, the Leafs, they change their logo every year and change the, the pattern of the Leaf a little bit. Some fans go absolutely ape about it. Um, sometimes it actually looks okay, but that's there's a tradition of updating and changing but not a rebrand like this and i i I come back to what anthony said um two things and and i think both john and anthony both mentioned it the the logo itself as a when it kind of it does grow on you okay and i i i don't mind it as a logo as a brand in terms of its sealability in terms of how it can be and it should be about how it's used and how um how you know how scalability in terms of and it shouldn't be so on branding and on shirts and t-shirts and the things i've seen so far merchandise wise it looks pretty good on hats it looks it looks it looks like it should like it looks really really good um but you're right it's the timing just didn't make sense i think if they were going to go for a brand change of this magnitude of this big scale what really should have happened was when todd kelman and that ownership took over back when they took over they should have thought about the brand at that point so that it was like a 
new this is the this is the card of devils i know it's i know aaron you're shaking your head because yeah, the eyes and like, could you imagine new ownership but by the way the well, first thing i'm doing as i'm changing the logo well do you, you know do you remember the past do you remember the past in, and history of a card the card of fan base i mean they drove out an owner I just think if you're gonna if you're gonna be coming in, you're gonna be making changes. It's a brand new start for a club. Then the brand new start should come with a brand new logo at that time. And I just think maybe, as you say, Anthony, I think you hit the nail the nail in the head there. I think it's wrong timing for it, and 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 mix of that and blindsidedness. What we were talking about earlier on. Um, we could talk about this forever, um, and we will see whenever the jer- sorry, Iron. But before we move on, there is another. Uh, just because I'm keeping an eye on the comments, um, Casey Gallagher has another comment for us and another question. Do you see them potentially switching back to the previous logo within a few years? Jan's rebrand looks good though, but I'll say the Devils look grown on me, especially with the recent video of Bounce Training. I've got to admit, I don't think uh, they might do a a like what we do. We do like legacy jersey every so often, don't we? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll do like a legacy. Or we, well, don't get me started on the legacy jersey because we had a legacy. <laughs> we had a legacy. throwback jersey. There's not a throwback jersey again. We had we had the we had the legacy legacy retro throwback last retro, season, in January or whatever. March last season, we had it in the elite league. It was like a retro weekend. What did the Belfast Giants? The Belfast Giants have a perfectly good like alternative logo. Like our old logo is still perfectly good. We can still use it. Why didn't we just design it? Or you know, don't don't get me started. Don't get me started. Let's not get me started. I use the um, I, I use the pivotal word there, legacy. Let's move on from legacy jerseys. <laughs> I don't think so, Casey. Be honest with you. Um, I don't know what anyone else thinks, though. Yeah, that was the sound of a car crash of a conversation that I think we need to get some therapists in for, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're here for, Anthony. Me. Yeah, well, I was right. gonna, I was going to say the thing. The thing I picked up from this conversation was pro jerseys. Who's paying 130 pounds for a pro jersey? Because spoiler alert. Unless you're a pro, why are you bothering? Why? Wait, hang on. This way. Why? You're all pointing in different directions. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find which. Hang on. Slip. Oh, this way. No, wait. This way. John. It's like. And yeah. you, you I haven't yet. That's, no, I haven't. That's a replica. No, that's a replica. Dave's definitely bought some. Dave bought one. Dave has. That's that's just the screen print. No, don't get me wrong. That's weird. That's an odd thing to do. Like I bought, don't, I bought game, I bought game warns when we were in the elite league. I bought, I have game warns upstairs from when we were in the elite league with like with like fight straps and stuff. I have a, I have a Brad Crookshank <coughs> game warn from when he was in Coventry when they won the title. Sorry, Belfast fans, twenty ten was fun. Um, <laughs> there's a story about that for later. But um, but like. If it's a, a replica pro jersey, seems like a con- seems a contradiction in terms. And part, like a good fool and his a, a fool and his money are soon parted, right? One hundred and thirty quid for a pro replica. Uh, okay, um, I have some magic beans to sell you. That that'll be me. Look, we we've chatted. So the end of last season, we we love when someone comes to play for Belfast and wears the number 14. So, of yep. course, when Norris stepped up and put 14 on, yep. we thought, right, okay, looks good. Through the playoff run, wow, he's really good. And then uh, through the summer when he was announced as uh, being signed, I'm pretty sure all four of us, and maybe not Dave because he already has his pro jersey, um, but at least me and Marty have already said, yeah, it's, it's the fry meme. Take my money. 
Arian, take my money. Well, I did say a 14 jersey, but I didn't say Pro. That's the one oh. thing I will say. Now, the one thing I will say about the Pro versus the, rep, the Pro replica versus just the standard print replica, I know you're saying about the price of the money-wise is a big difference. And I agree, yeah, it's a massive jump between having £60 and £120, so it's always double the price. The, the qual- is the quality worth the price that you pay difference-wise? And you're probably thinking, well, why do you need it if, it's not a, if you're not going to be wearing a Pro? I, the quality is significantly, significantly better like i mean that stitching the stitched on logo the stitched on names numbers nameplates and everything else you got on it it is significantly different like i mean it's night and day i mean the arms on the lar- the arms on the standard replica jersey of the ones that we're getting from warrior i think is not who's d- so designing ours they're so short on the replica like just standard 60 pound ones they're so short but whenever it comes to the pro ones they're proper length just everything about it there is a different quality difference but i don't know if i'd I'd, i don't think i would park the 120 which is probably gonna be 130 this year let's be honest um do you know what the biggest part of it is that we're we're just jersey nerds we are yeah dave's horrified he's just message saying that there's jersey talk and i'm not here and he's not here (laughs) well yeah that's Um, right sorry there there he is (laughs) hey dave um Anything else before we move on to our last story for this period? No. Great. We will come back to Jersey Talk. Thank you, Anthony, because we will definitely come back to it whenever before the season's out. <coughs> because once the once the team start to release their jerseys, um, uh, we'll start to kind of compare and contrast and have a look and see what we think in terms of those. Um, and I, I will make sure I let you know, Anthony, who in this team decides to buy a replica um, pro jersey. Um, I'm sure John will. Um, Okay, uh, let's move on to our final story of this period. John, I think you added this one in. Do you want to take this one? Yeah, just very quick. Um, just wanted to mention that a couple of weeks ago now it was announced, I think just after our last podcast, um, it was announced that the Elite League have hired someone uh, into the position of Head of Commercial Operations. Uh, and it's someone that we, we know quite well. It's Mark Brooks is back in ice hockey. He's back with British Ice Hockey. Um, we... If you're from Belfast, if you've been a fan of Belfast for anything more than about four or five years, uh, you'll likely have seen Mark uh, around the the rank, around the arena. Um, Mark was with the Belfast Giants organisation from, I think, quite a young age, actually. Um, I think he'd been a volunteer and then got a position with the the team. and I'm actually I'm going to mirror something, uh, mirror some comments that uh, the AVFTB guys uh, said yesterday. Um, we wouldn't be in the position where we are now uh, with things like access and just having the basically the, the balls to ask the question, uh, can we get access, if it wasn't for how good Mark was to us in the first year or so of Door 14. Uh, so from our perspective, it is absolutely fantastic to see Mark back uh, with uh, the EIHL. Uh, and bringing the experience that he's got from Ulster Rugby uh, across to the Elite League and we, we wish him all the best and hope that he brings much uh, commercial success to the Elite League uh, if you could start on a TV deal Mark that would be fantastic um, yeah sentiments are correct correct John um, he did give us a he did give us a step up into uh, the CHL was one of the one of the ones as well as with the Hemetry we got our media credential media credentials for the CHL um, so we were always thankful for Mark because he was always uh, willing to kind of uh, have a chat with us about stuff and, and, and help us out whenever we needed it so uh, fair play it's good to see um, although it still hurts my heart when I seen him today posting stuff about the Sheffield Steelers it's kind of like it feels a bit dirty that he's posting stuff but he has to now um, but uh, yeah 
Um, Anthony, we are moving on from period one, which is our local hockey. You're very welcome to stay if you'd like to stay. Um, we're going to move on to period two, which is our, obviously, stories from across the, the pond. Um, it's up to yourself. You're happy to stay. You're more than welcome. I wore the T-shirt. Well, there you go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, that was going to be my next oh, question. That was my going to be next question when we were moving into the next period. It was going to be, do you have an NHL team? So there you go. You've answered that question for us. Great. Guys, then with that, we will move on to our period two of hockey. Welcome, everyone, back to period two of hockey, uh, which we're going to talk about international hockey. Now, usually it's Dave that handles this, but he is just hanging out in the background there t- talking to us about jerseys in the chat there. So. Say everyone hi to Dave in the background. So we do have this period where we're going to look at uh, international hockey, pretty much anywhere um, that's not in the UK and so see what's going on around the world. We do have a number of stories. We've got two stories from Marty and we've got one story from John. So I'm thinking of having a Marty sandwich. What we're going to do is we're going to start. Yeah, I know. We're going to start with one story from uh, Marty. We're going to switch across to, uh, to John and then come back to uh, another one of Marty's stories. Hope you're all interested for a Marty sandwich. Marty, you have a really cool story here about the highest paid actor in NHL. Uh, uh, actor? Player, you mean? Actor, player. Uh, You're talking about uh, threat actors all day. You've got to <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> yeah, um, it was just a basically, this is the story, obviously, if you're living under a rock, um, unless you're living under a rock, you would. You, I don't know how you wouldn't have seen the story, um, but this is the breaking story that, that, that from this morning, from the early hours this morning, um, on the 20, 24th of August, for anybody who's wanting to know what date it is. Um, this was the, obviously the story, and we talked about this earlier on, was the Toronto Maple Leafs um, have announced the that Austin Matthews has put pen to paper on a deal that is set to make him the highest paid player in NHL history. Um, he is signed on for a four-year deal, uh, estimated at fifty-three million pounds as an extension, um, and that will tie him into the team um, for until 2027-2028 season. So that's four more years. Now it's it's massive amount when you think about it in terms of the nearest the next player down after uh, Matthews is Nathan McKinnon, who is on twelve point six, um, followed by I think um, the, the uh, I think. Oilers, I think, is the next one. Potentially, Connor McDavid, I think, is maybe the next one down after that um, top five. But this is, a, I suppose, this is where we're looking at in terms of multi-year deal um, for an ex- extreme amounts of money. The reason why I'm bringing it up is two things. Um, obviously, it's a it's a massive, massive, massive coup for the Maple Leafs. To, I don't think. Well, I don't know if he was ever planning to maybe look other outside of um, the, the Leafs. But obviously, it's a massive coup for the Leafs to have that knowledge. They've signed up their the most you know, the, the, the key player, their captain and everything, or, you know, the most influential player they've had in such a long time. And they've been able to kind of cement him for four years. Question came then to me, and it's something I was reading today, um, people were discussing on social media, and I kind of did wonder if it's maybe something we've seen in the past. So previously we've seen, in the before the previous lockout, NHL lockout and player agreement, we've seen contracts starting to creep up. So we've seen contracts in the NHL starting to become multi-year deals. I, I remember, in, and and Fuzz, actually, you're here, you're on the chat. You can maybe, um, you can kind of remind me of this. Jersey, New Jersey Devils, if I remember correctly, had signed a player for 10-year deal, if I remember correctly. 
Um, and it was for a, quite an extortion amount of money at that time too. But that all kind of fell apart quite quickly after the players' deals came in and the, and the player association stepped in and said, we can't continue with these multi, multi-year deals. So the question I was coming up with and the question I wanted to ask was kind of get your thoughts in terms of, you know, are we seeing a new rise in a multi-year deal and money starting to kind of creep up more and more? John, what's your thoughts? Well, it's going to come. Uh, thank God the cap's going up. Um, that that's the only reason that these deals are getting made is because the NHL have announced that the cap is going to continue to creep up and up and up. Um, we're we're going forward in time, but we're almost going back in time. And you've said it; these deals used to used to come up, and they're going to come up more and more often. Uh, there you go. There's Fuzz answering your question, Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, and actually, Fuzz made another really good. Uh, point in the the chat is is he is he worth it? Um, he's a great player, but fine struggles to find his groove in the playoffs. Um, this only works for the Leafs if you get to the next stage. I mean, yes, you you broke the you broke the the first round curse this year, didn't you? But you didn't win anything. So Ouch, having harsh. the most expensive well, the most expensive true. player have, having the most expensive player doesn't win you trophies. No. Um, what it does is it reduces your cap space for everything else. He can't go off and win a competition. Can't win the Stanley Cup himself. So they are restricting their spending elsewhere, and you will see the effect of this on the roster. Um, Sheldon Keefe is going to have some work to do. Um, I mean, it was surprised. I think everyone was potentially surprised that given the run with the change of boardroom staff in Toronto, it was surprising that Sheldon stayed this season. I think he's got this season. I think that's the reality. I think he's got this season to do something. Uh, he's got this now in his back pocket, knowing that the high likelihood is that... Uh, that Austin will stay in Toronto longer than he will. Um, so at least he doesn't have to worry about that. Um, so something has to something has to click here. Um, when you say the Avs were, were second then uh, with, um, with McKinnon, at least he did something. At least the Avs went and did something. Um, the Leafs have to do something now. Talk, looking back on that uh, New Jersey Devil uh uh, contract they were talking about and Dave shared a link and I found a different link there um, that was a it's either based on the two stories a 15 or a 17 year deal one for a hundred million for the 15 year deal or for the 17 year deal 102 million who's signing this these people Dr. Evil uh, and then that, that whole car- convention didn't they yeah, and then and then the ironic thing was then um, even a COVID truck they had in halfway, not even halfway through. I think maybe two or three years into that contract, went, I'm homesick and I want to go back to the KHL, and then he left. And then a year or two in the KHL, he went, I want to come back to the NHL, and it was just ironic that he he kind of switched after getting such a large contract, switched out, went to KHL, switched out again, came back to the NHL. I think he went to LA Kings, I think, when he came back and was getting nowhere near the same level of um, contract or level of, of anywhere near it because they were like, well, you know, you're you're kind of a, a hot potato. You're kind of like, I don't know if we want to touch that. Um, Anthony, what's your thoughts in terms of, of in terms of the, the whole idea of the, the, the this creeping up? Do you think that's something, that's something that we're seeing again? Well, the NHL is the poor relative of North American sports when you look at contracts compared to the NFL, compared to Major League Baseball. Um, 
I think the I think it's going to be a pressure from the players because ultimately these are billion dollar organizations. Uh, <coughs> your Arizona, um, and um, the I think the thing with uh, the thing with Matthews is that it is a very it's a very very sizable spend. I think it's the what is it like fifteen sixteen percent of their cap, but the the only and I'm wearing the t-shirt and the thing I will say about like one player can't win trophies, but one player can be enough to make people believe. And I don't mean the fans. I mean, the players, Alexander Ovechkin has won one Stanley cup in his time, but you look at the roster that was around him. The capitals of 17, 18, that won the Stanley cup were a worse were objectively a worse team than the 16, 17 capitals that came before it in terms of the talent on that roster. If, Toronto are on the bubble and a guy is given an option of a million dollars to play for Anaheim, say, who are in the middle of the pack, or $850,000 to be within touching distance of the cup, where will a guy go? And the answer is he'll be getting very cold feet in December because he will go to Toronto to play with an Austin Matthews, to play with a Mitch Marner, to play with a... Uh, you know, uh, to play with, well, I was going to say whoever's in goal now, because it's pretty much a guess as to who's in net for the Leafs at this stage as anybody else. Keith Petroselli, maybe by the next time it comes around. But it's this number is always going to creep up because the NHL, despite the fact that hockey as a sport sometimes seems to shoot itself in the foot like it's the First World War and people want to get out of the trenches, um, the, the, the money is going to go up. It's going to have to go up if hockey wants to be able to compete on that level of being that international sport that it is. Um, we're going to see more things. I know a lot of people were freaking out the back. Oh, why can't they convince this guy to sign for, for eight years instead of, instead of four? Uh, because probably the writing on the wall is that it's obviously a four-year extension to his deal so he doesn't kick in for a little while. He's not going to be the highest paid player by AAV by the, probably the second year of his contract uh, because Dreisaitl and McDavid are going to be like Scrooge McDuck. And he knows that by the time that four-year four extension comes around 20, the summer of 2028, do dude's just gonna like have like a he will be like dr evil he'll have a solid gold toilet and he'll have a laser <laughs> on the moon. Uh, unless unless he gets massively injured and uh but austin matthews is one is a is a generational talent and he is going to make a stupid amount of money which given the fact he plays for the richest franchise in our sport bar none uh he uh, you know for he should he should make the, what he he should make the money that he is worth to the organization that makes a ton of ton of money to i don't know put a milk logo on his jersey loving that world well, well, <laughs> nice oh, i love it too it's great it's great it's better than a casino yeah very good reference uh, just before we move on to the next story, um, I just want to point. I know we were talking about some big numbers there. Um, I was just doing quick some quick math at the side. Um, and we were talking about like a hundred, uh, hundred million for like ten years or so. That kind of breaks down to six point six million per year. Um, with the Austin Matthews contract, yeah, okay, it was only for fifty three million only, uh, but it was only a four year contract. Um, so that kind of breaks down to thirteen point two or thirteen and a quarter million per year. Year, yeah. 
I know. That's a sizable chunk of change. You said it's not yeah, he could, he could probably just points. about afford. He could probably just about afford a ticket to actually go and see a Leafs game. <laughs> well, that's very true. <laughs> anyway, so we now have a, a good base for our Marty sandwich. We're going to pivot across to John for the filling. So we're going to talk about. Oh. <laughs> sounds so wrong. Um, the IHF World Champions schedule release. John, it's over to you, buddy. Yeah, so the 2024 IHF uh, World Championship um, game schedule has been announced. Um, nice, easy run in for GB, uh, lads. Um, so um, at Prague Arena, the, the competition will be split over the two pools between Prague Arena and Ostrava Arena. Um, obviously, we're going to concentrate on what uh, Great Britain, Great Britain are in Pool A. Um, they will play on game uh, day two uh, of competition uh, with a very easy first game against uh, a small hockey country called Canada. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's bound to be a, a, a surefire win for GB there. Um, so interestingly enough, um, so they've also released the um, pricing structure for uh, these games as well about sort of how, essentially how much it's going to cost uh, to go and see these games. So, for example, the opening game of the competition, um, Switzerland versus Norway, um, is going to uh, cost in category one, so the most expensive tickets, uh, just over 4,000 kroner. Uh, or check, check something. Is it kroner? Um, yes. I want to say yes. I think so. Sure. Yes. Uh, there's a K in there, and, and, and the only currency I know that has a K in it is kroner. Um, the... Great Britain game has been put down as the family game uh, the next morning, uh, interestingly, given that it's against Canada. Uh, ticket prices are down to 390 kroner, so uh, a reduction of just under 4,000 kroner for this to go and see um, Great Britain uh, play Canada. Seems like a cheap way to go and see Canada. <laughs> Um, John, do we know what these are in UK? Um, do we have a conversion there to see how much they are in UK? Absolutely fans? not. It could be a 50p difference for all I know. Um, let's have um, a look and see. So, um, um, I could go out and buy a small car. 390 krona is £13.86. That's, that's cheaper than an elite league game. Uh, uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. There you go. When you see the compare, when you see the comparison down, it's four thousand, whatever, what four thousand, which is, I'm just looking now, one hundred and forty-eight pounds uh, for the first opening game, um, first two opening games. Um, There's no way I'm to... paying that. <laughs> Yay! Aaron appreciates that, I'm sure. Um, so to carry on with the the rundown of uh, how Great Britain's games will go. Um, they, their first game then is on the Saturday, as I said. The Sunday, they will then play Finland. Uh, their next game then is a couple of days later on the Wednesday when they will play Switzerland. Um, then, thankfully, they get another day's rest before uh, on Friday they will play Denmark. Um, next day, uh, on Saturday the 18th, they will play Czechia. A uh, couple of, or a day's rest again before they play Norway. And then their final game the following Tuesday um, is against Austria. Uh, and once again, Great Britain have been selected in the family-friendly cheap game uh, on the final day. Um, so interesting, uh, clearly interesting decisions being made there about uh, who, what teams will play in the, uh, the family-friendly games. 
Um, so guys, that's that's Pule, that's GB's running. Uh, what do we reckon? They're definitely making it to the knockout uh, portion of the tournament, aren't they? Uh, sure. Sure. Silence. <laughs> like, silence speaks volumes. Like, with the best tickets they can get in the front row to watch it. Um, <laughs> absolutely. It's a tough. It's a tough run in. It's a bit of a tough run. But there's three winnable games in there for me for GB. I think there's there's the potential. They've just got to perform. I think it's probably the big thing there. An absolute worst case scenario. That last game with Austria is going to be a must win, irrespective. I yep. think potentially. So. I will yeah. I will watch it with the Austrian commentary because I prefer German commentary to British commentary a lot of the time. Um, thank you to my VPN. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that. But the ga- the bad stuff's out of the way quick. The bad stuff's out of the way quick. Fair. Get the first game, couple of games out of the way. Grit your teeth. Take your medicine, and then switch on and then push on from there. Or they're about to spring the biggest surprise world hockey has seen since the 40s. I like the really positive, upbeat there. It's like, you know what? It's not the worst thing in the world. It's, you know, hit the wall hard first and then we've got our stories. I, I like that. I, I, I would completely agree. I mean, it's, you know, we, 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 we kind of maybe go in with a bit of doom and gloom because we're thinking, obviously, that it's a, they're up against a, a big ask in terms of when you see the big names, the, the big teams they're playing up against. And it's, it's fantastic to see them playing up against the, you know, the big top countries in, in terms of um you know canada and, and the likes of that and, I, and it's amazing uh, but i think you're right Andy. i think you know looking at those fixtures and looking at what the way they're working and how they're shaped up in terms of the gaps and stuff between breaks as well i i, I genuinely do think i feel I've, I'm, i want to be positive in thinking that that yeah they could pull at least uh, three maybe out of the bag i was hoping maybe four and it's definitely it's piqued my interest at, um and it's it's definitely one of the ones i will be like i'm looking forward to the, the world championships next year um for sure um and i just yeah we never know you never know yeah i think and that's may next year is, hmm? may next yeah. year may yeah, yeah may next year i think the one thing i would say is um i know we probably know what the result will be but the fact that we are playing Canada in not just our first game, but their first game of the tournament as well. Let's just say it could be an entertaining game. Um, I, I wouldn't want to hit them when they're hot. I'd rather get them right at the start of the tournament. Uh, now, it might be wrong. It might be that they've got Canada arrive with something to prove. Um, but so do Great Britain. Great Britain have got the to prove that they belong in this pool, uh, that they've come back here for a reason. Um, and you never know. Like Anthony says, this could be the the biggest upset since uh, since the the last gold medal. Cool. So we'll move on. Um, we do have one last story, but Anthony, I'm just going to ask you. I know that we don't have anything in the in the running order here from yourself, but I was wondering, have you seen anything in the international hockey that's really piqued your interest in the last week, month, maybe um, since the last time we recorded? Putting you on the spot, I completely. Uh, the big appreciate thing for that. me, fellas, is this. No, the big thing for me is this weekend. Uh, the, the the AIHL finals, Australian hockey comes to its conclusion this coming uh, this coming weekend at the uh, at the O'Brien Ice House in Melbourne. Uh, they have the 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 Australian league is decided. Uh, they don't have it. Well, they have a regular season, but it's all decided off the back of their playoffs, which was slightly expanded this year. Uh, but two semi-finals on the Saturday, final this coming Sunday. Uh, we're going to have, you know, there's a few guys from from the AIHL who are going to be making their way over to NIHL teams. I've been a, I've been a watcher of Australian hockey since 
uh, you know, for, for since the early the early 2010s. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the how the season shapes up. Uh, it does cost. Uh, now, interestingly, this this amateur league of of a uh, of about sort of, you know 10, 10 12 teams they have this really weird thing where they have like a game center where all the teams kind of film their games all by themselves and then you can watch it all in one place at the same time you just pay one price right and you can just watch whatever you want at the different times it's on and then if you miss a game you can just go back and watch it like it's really crazy, isn't it? Like, a, what a weird idea that no one has ever thought about doing anywhere before for sixty pounds. Actually, no, tell a lie. It was sixty Australian dollars, so it was forty-two British pounds to watch this. Um, but for folk who, for folk who are interested, I think you can get like a finals pass for like twenty Australian dollars. Um, the first game is going to be a bit of a bit of a tough one for you because the Sydney Bears take on the Melbourne Mustangs at five o'clock. Uh, in the morning on Saturday. Uh, but at 9.30, you do get the CBR Brave and the Perth Thunder followed by the final on uh, on Sunday. Or if you don't have money and you want to, and you, or you don't want to pay for such things, uh, the New Zealand League, they stream for free on YouTube. Uh, and those games will be facing off anywhere between kind of like five and nine o'clock in the morning, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend. So there's tons. If you want to watch competitive hockey right now and you aren't fussed about preseason in the Elite League and people laughing at Cardiff's logo, uh, go go hunt it out because it's there to watch and it's good fun. And it's and if nothing else, listening to Australians commentate on ice hockey is is hilarious. But uh, the guy, uh, the guy, I know the guys who are going to be doing the commentary this weekend and they're great. So it'll be fun. Awesome. Five a.m. face off is like it's just made for the way that my daughter is sleeping at the minute yeah actually and anthony you read my mind when you were talking about the, the 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 playoffs i was like and how can how can we watch this and you were like hey there's this a really amazing location to watch all of these matches loved it so you read my mind thank you so much yeah aihl.tv it's in there it's great john make sure you've got that written down for the website Mate, I've I've already followed them on Twitter from door fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> on it, on it, Marty. Let's finish off this Marty sandwich by bringing it back to yourself by talking about the Canadians' prospect Logan. Hello, hello. Yeah, um, <laughs> we've we've talked about this name before. Um, this is kind of obviously it's a, a serious enough topic, uh, a serious enough conversation, but it's a. Uh, it's something that's worth mentioning because obviously there's a, a big decision had been made for this young player's um, career um, this past couple of days. Um, Logan Malo is probably not a strange name. Uh, maybe some people don't know uh, the story, but we talked about it on this podcast back about, must be about two, three years ago now in 2020. Uh, this is a young lad who was eligible for um, NHL draft um, for um, as, a, as a prospect and unfortunately he was playing at the time when he was playing in Sweden um, he was 17 years of age and um, he was convicted in Sweden um, for sharing without consent a photograph of a young lady that he was with at the time um, between his teammates he shared it um, in the locker room among his his, um, his, his teammates and, and on a WhatsApp group I think was where a a messaging group anyway um and i shared this this photograph um without um consent obviously um and as a result because of his charge for this and and his actions um the nhl and gary bateman at the time came out and said that it was um 
I suppose it wouldn't be an appropriate thing for him to be moving forward, but also at the time, Logan Malo took himself out of the running as well and said that he doesn't deserve an opportunity to, um, I suppose, be involved with an NHL draft, given what he had done. Um, the big thing, the big story, I suppose, this week came in that the decision has been made from Gary Bateman and the commissioner and uh, the, the league in general, uh, where they have said that uh, because of his behavior over the last number of years, his acts in the community, his taking responsibility and his outreach in order to kind of educate um, other young men um, about the, I suppose, childish behavior. He was 17. I mean, there's no, I shouldn't have done it. Um, But he, over the last three years, he has tried to make rights in terms of the actions that he's done in terms of trying to, as I say, community outreach, working with other young males, um, trying to talk about the fact that like, you know, thinking about your career, thinking about your life and thinking about the things that you do when you're young and how they have a massive impact on your future career prospects. And because he's done so much around this and how, 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 how much he's given back, the NHL have um, said that he is eligible for this year to play in the NHL um, as long as he meets the criteria for the, um, I suppose, the, the, the training team, the, 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 the training prospects this year for the Canadiens. Um, so I just wanted to bring the story up because I know we did talk about it. Um, I know it was like three years ago now, but I just wanted to bring this back. Um, guys, I mean, in terms of, you know, a young man who obviously made a decision at the time was a serious behavior. It was a serious thing that happened, obviously. Um, and I mean, do you think this is the right move in terms of, you know, has he has he made enough penance? Do you think this is a, a good sign for or this is right, the right steps and the right movement for the NHL? John? Um, I think the important thing here is that he seems to have had a step change in what he accepts what, or what he now accepts was uh, unacceptable at the time. And um, the, the sort of furore about everything that kind of came out when the Habs decided to, to draft him. Uh, I see from the piece and I, I remember talking about it um, at the time, Justin Trudeau even weighed in on the decision. He's a, a lifelong Habs fan himself and he he said he was disappointed in the team's decision to, to even consider drafting him. Um, given, again, we've talked, there's been a few of these similar stories um, or stories of a, a similar ilk where young young lads in the game have made poor, very poor decisions, very poor choices. Um and it's how how long is an appropriate length of time for these guys to pay for that. And without passing any judgment at all here, um, has he served enough time here? I, I, and I'm not going to say he has or he hasn't here. I think that's a decision that the, the Habs organisation have to make their mind up about. It's a decision that the the young man himself has to decide. Um, ultimately, uh, it's something that Habs fans if he is going to pull on the, the Canadian's jersey, they're going to have to make peace with it as well. Um, we we saw how a situation of this ilk ca- nearly caused the end of a franchise here in the Elite League um, with a, a potential signing in Glasgow, uh, which has now led to new ownership. It's led to an entirely new coaching staff and blah, 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 so on. Um I don't for an instant believe that that's going to lead to the same sort of situation happening in, in Montreal. That's absolutely not what's going to happen here. But uh, the fans will have to decide if they're happy for this young man to come and play for their team, if that's the decision that the organisation makes. Um, we're talking about it here, and uh, Fuzz is, is on again and makes the comment, do you think there'll be protests outside the arena? 
Um, no, probably not. Um, I think this is a different situation. I might be wrong. I think there's likely, there's going to be the one or two people. There will be the conservative element. There will be the people who feel very, very strongly about it. And they have every right to hear their voices or have their voices heard on the, the situation with regards to what their team is doing as well. Uh, they're, they're money paying fans. Their money keeps the, the franchise afloat. They have a voice in what happens. The organisation doesn't necessarily have to listen to it though. Um, so it's it's a tough one. Uh, and honestly, I don't know what the right answer is. Uh, Anthony, Aaron, any other comments? Anthony, go ahead first, buddy. Are we all forgetting that, like, over a decade ago, just over a decade ago, like 11 years ago now, that Coventry tried to sign Mike Danton? Do we remember that? That Coventry tried to sign a guy that was convicted of solicitation mm-hmm. to murder? Um, mm-hmm. Hockey has a really, really weird way of dealing with people because hockey people are always deemed irrespective to be good people because they're hockey people. Now, I believe very strongly that, pe- as I said earlier, people can change, right? And Logan, uh, should he have been drafted? 100% no. Terrible, terrible look for the Habs as an organization. The most historic organization in the NHL. Just a dumb move. Keep tabs on him if you think he's a good player and see if he can rectify himself. Does he deserve an opportunity to prove that he has reformed as a character? Yeah, he does. And does that necessarily mean he should get the privilege of playing hockey at the NHL level? That's the question I can't quite rectify myself to at the moment. Um, For people who sort of agonize over this kind of thing, as it sort of rattles around in my brain, there was a really there's a really good podcast series um, called Commons, which was done by Canada Land um, relatively recently, which was all about hockey's issues around sexual assault and their dealings of it, both as you know players to uh, you know bits and pieces like sort of not just things like Kyle Beach but other things like that so I'd really recommend people kind of like if you want to kind of tackle those questions in your own head that you go and listen to stuff like that people are going to be happy and there'll be a lot of people saying he deserves his chance to be to be heard and to play how much how much penance does the young man have to pay there are people that will not be happy about it I mean this the other thing as well he's been playing in the OHL like he didn't just disappear he's not been sat at home twiddling his thumbs he's been playing in the best junior development league on earth like getting ready for this getting ready for this moment doing bits and pieces so it's not like he's his life's been on hold this young guy has just been rocking and rolling yeah. away playing for you know for the london knights so not just in the ohl probably one of the biggest clubs in major junior hockey in the world so if he if he has made those changes more power to him he's made a terrible mistake and he has hopefully learned from that, you know, 20 or however old he is now. Whether he deserves the privilege of being a, a hockey player in the National Hockey League is something that I think is not going to sit well for a lot of people. And I confess yeah. to struggling with the decision. Yep. Agreed. Um, Aaron, any thoughts before we move on? No, I kind of, uh, everyone here has a, a really good view. Oh, really good is not the right way to put that, but it's a difficult conversation to have like he was young is 17 young i don't know um but he has seemed to have t- turned it a bit around doing so that you mara you mentioned a number of outreach programs there so he's he's trying 
it, it seems like he's trying. Um, but as Anthony said, you're never. There's going to be people on many sides of this coin um, on on what the outcome is, and I I don't know where I sit, <laughs> so so I, so I don't. Um, but he deserves the opportunity, I think, to show that he has changed. Um, he's trying, but whether that's within the NHL, that's that's another thing. Yep. Fair point. Thank you. Before we before we leave period three, there's something that's just occurred to me to ask while Anthony is here with us. Uh, given that T-shirt that you're you're currently wearing, I want to ask you something very much in particular to do with the the Capitals. Alex Ovechkin is currently sitting on 822 goals. He is currently 73 behind the great one. In uh, for a Caps fan. Can he do it? Will he do it? And has he got enough time to do it? Yes, he's going to do it. Um, he will probably break the record sometime in 2025. Um, as a franchise, the Capitals are very much in a holding pattern right now in the sense of we're not quite good enough to, to go deep in the playoffs, I don't think. Um, we've got an ageing core. Um, or, you know, you think of Backstrom and his bad hip. We think of Oshi, he's had injury issues. Uh, Tom... Wilson's obviously now signed this big contract and essentially we're keeping Ovi and friends together and as soon as Ovi finishes you know breaks the record as he will and as he should because he's uh, you know he is arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time um, once Ovi does that it's kind of a weight off the capital's back as an organisation because Alex Ovechkin should not break this record anywhere apart from Washington once it's done this franchise can do what it needs to kind of probably do, and that's hit the reset button. Caps can rebuild. We can move on some of these bigger pieces, like Darcy Kemper probably won't return at the end of this contract. John Carlson is edging, you know, is closer to the end of his career than the beginning. Oshi to the end of the beginning. Backstrom, whether he makes another couple of years, will be will be really really telling. Um, but yeah, the Caps are, are at a point where it's it's hold on, hold the line, get over the line, and when that's done. Kaboom! <laughs> it's going to be blown up like it's going to be blown up like you've never seen for some time. We are we are going to we are going to be two thousand and six, like Brian Helmer, Chris Clark levels worth of terrible again. It's going to be fun to watch for a few years. We're going to be we're going to be worse you, than Chicago are now. When he when he gets it when he gets the record, do you think they'll do what Nashville would do and do the right thing and raise a banner? Um, no, uh, because because they won't need to because the second Alexander Ovechkin retires from the from the NHL, given the fact he will be the greatest goal, the highest scoring goal scoring player in the history of the league, the second he retires, his jersey will be retired by Washington, and I am pretty certain the Hockey Hall of Fame will forego the waiting period. He will go straight, pretty much straight in. Hmm. Do As you think he should. Joins- like, you can argue about Do- his politics. You can argue about his politics and the. Th- things like that as a hockey player um he is arguably he is up there with Gretzky with Rashad with every great goal scorer that's ever that's ever played the game he is a he is a singular individual and he will he'll be lauded as such as he should be in respect to that then does eight join 99 no does eight join 99 in retirement um Alexander Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of all time 
No. Alex is the greatest goal scorer of all time, um, but he's definitely not the greatest player of all time. If you look at the numbers for, for the other statistical categories, he doesn't come close. And it would be it'd be wrong to, to do so. If you're not going to retire four for Bobby Orr, if you're not going to retire nine for Gordie Howe, if you're not going to retire the num- you know, for the Richards or or, you know, 33 for Patrick Waugh. There's so many great players. You could think of all the great players that have been not just good, not just great, but just impactful and game-changing in their positions, right? And the the biggest difference for Gretzky was Gretzky was impactful in every element of the game to the point where his moving from one club to another is probably the most, is probably the seismic shift of the sport. Like, Mm. Bobby Orr moving, yep. Bobby Orr retiring didn't do that. Gordie Howe moving clubs didn't do that. Wayne Gretzky going from Edmonton to the LA Kings when he did changed the game. Literally changed hockey as a sport. Um, it's up there with the, with the 1972 Summit Series in terms of its impactful nature on hockey as a game worldwide. So no, I, 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 Alex is great. He's the greatest Washington Capitals to ever wear the jersey the chances of his jersey being retired league-wide are zero, and I have absolutely zero problem with that. Cool. Right, sorry, Aaron, I hijacked uh, period two there. Some great questions, man, so don't be don't be apologising. Apologizing. I think that's coming us to the end of period two. Of course, with no games, we have no penalty box. So, Marty, oh, no, 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 not Marty. Welcome to period three after Aaron was cut off there because he wouldn't stop talking. Um, <laughs> so the, period the, three. The, the Oscars playoff music. <laughs> <laughs> period three is our general knocky news. I didn't oh, join no, you there. No, I'm sorry. I forgot. I completely <laughs> forgot. Uh, <laughs> news is, completely forgot. <laughs> knocky news. Is, sorry, it's the start of a new season. We're fine. We're fine. Um, Knocky News is where we just throw in a couple of stories usually that don't fit either neatly into period one or period two or we think that the other two have just got too many things in them so I get to present them over here in period three. Um, There's only a couple of stories here in period three. Um, Marty, I'm going to throw over to you first. Um, I think this is the sort of more serious, more impactful story here uh, about uh, what's happening over in air. Yeah, so I was just—I just wanted to raise this because it's something that um, someone sent through to me about um, the obviously the, the the currently they're they're trying to bid um, to keep the rink in Lime Limekiln Road um, in air open. Um, hopefully for at least the next five years anyway, until a new facility can be built. At the moment, there is a risk that the, obviously it's being used by Scottish Curling, but it's also being used as a, as a hockey facility as well, as well as figure skating. Um, and that's why we want to talk about it, because obviously it's an ice pad um, in, in Scotland that we kind of want to, want to highlight. Uh, but there is a threat that the facility is going to be closed down, and there's currently a petition underway that people are looking to get signed. Now, I don't know if you need to be a Scot, I don't know if you need to be living in the round area to sign the petition. I think just generally anybody can go on and sign the petition. It doesn't really matter where you're from. Um, but there is a shout out and, a, and a, I suppose a, a plea and a call um, for nationwide anybody who has an interest in ice sports of any kind, be that ice hockey, curling, skating, whatever that might be, to, I suppose, get behind this, um, I suppose, this call to action and get on and sign the petition if you can. Um, they are looking to close the rink at the end of august the start of september so we've got very little time left actually i think it's the end of september because i think now it's been pushed back to um but um they are looking to try and close it down um 
and I suppose what they're trying to do is trying to get as many names and names onto this petition as possible. Um, it does have 12,000 at the moment, um, but they are looking to try and keep pushing that forward so it's even more um, to show the need for, uh, I suppose, an ice plant. The last thing we want to see is an ice plant closing down. We know ourselves here in, in, in Northern Ireland, we have very few ice pad opportunities. We only have the one other ice pad in Dundonald. Um, we've always had the one that talked about in Cold Rain and trying to raise one in Cold Rain, I think was up around what's called that centre in Cold Rain. Um, I think there was always talk to try and get that relaunched. And then um, the one in Republic down in Dundalk, I mean, it it closed and then reopened, and and, and it's it's always been kind of a, a an area of 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 concern whenever we don't have enough ice pads. Um, so if you are inclined and you do want to get involved and you do feel the um, the desire to sign that petition, we will put the link up on our social media channels. Um, and please feel free to follow that link and sign the petition. Um, I don't think there's any really comments needed on that one, guys. Um, unless anybody has no, anything. I- I think you're. I think you're 100 right. I think we've we've had a good discussion about development and everything uh, through this episode and also in other ones. Um, but let's be honest, development doesn't mean anything unless there's ice to play on. Um, and the closure of these rinks and uh, Anthony's been party to even poor management of rinks that are already there, uh, and the facility's been allowed to dilapidate to a point where they're they're really not safe uh, for for anyone to be at without the investment, without the community investment, without people like the the guys in air who are trying to push for this, without the people like Anthony who are pushing for improvements to the, the rink in Basingstoke, development is a, a non-mute point because we need the ice first and foremost. Um, and that's that's where we get it from. So yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Um, I will push us on then to the, the second and last story uh, in period three. Um, and I just wanted to very quickly uh, chat about this one. Um, the Three Ice season wrapped up uh, last week um, for its second season. Um, we talked about this tournament last year, about this time last year uh, on the podcast. This is the um, three-on-three, uh, if you want to call it, professional um, league that happens in, in North America. Uh, I call it professional because uh, some of the players who are on these rosters are uh, quite interesting to, to look at. Um, some names that jumped out to me, um, guys, Marty and Aaron, uh, sorry Anthony, you won't have had uh, the link unless you've been keeping up on uh, Three Ice. Uh, we've got a lovely Google document that we fill up um, as we sort of go through between uh, podcasts. But a couple of names jumped out at me who participated in Three Ice this season. One, Jeremy Brodeur, uh, formerly of uh, Manchester, um, John Muse, uh, as well from uh, the, the the netminder perspective, but even when you started looking at the skaters, there were um, some really interesting names were starting to come up, uh, including uh, no less than uh, a former Belfast giant in the form of Bobby Farnham, who I believe was his second uh, season, if you like, taking part on in three on three, uh, or yeah. Three ice, sorry. Um, really interesting com- competition. 
uh, guys. Marty, do you have a chance to look through some of the bits and pieces that I put in? Yeah, um, and I'll be honest, um, I kind of missed this this year in terms of even coming up. Last year, I think because it was the start of it last year and it kind of launched as a, as a concept um, last summer, um, I watched a bit of it online and I remember us talking about it um, on the podcast in last August. Um, we talked about the the fast pace of it, the the change up in, in relation to things like, you know, the dropping down of the, if the puck hit the net, it just drops down and the continue play. It was all these different rules and regulations and how when we were watching, when I was watching it last year, just the sheer speed of it and the change of it because of the change, some of those little key, you know, things that would be stoppages in play just don't happen in this three, this, this three tournament. Um, it, it is interesting. Um, and again, as you said, names again, those familiar names um, put it, um, are, are popping up again. I think there was last year, there was a couple of other elite league familiar names popping up. Um, and I know, I think was, that I see as well, I think if I remember correctly, it was Petgrave as well, one of the players' yep. names that was, yeah, so it was a couple of a uh, couple of familiar names that front the Elite League were taking part in this competition. If I remember correctly... Um, well, the, the one, one thing you've I missed did, out on is Eamon McAdam. Eamon McAdam yep. was the playoff MVP and goalie of the year, so something for Guildford to shout about, having bottled the league oh, yeah. title. Didn't see he was in there. He didn't see he was on that list. Um, the one thing I did notice, and the one thing I did, the story that did catch my attention from this one, and this is when I knew it was almost because Bobby Farnham put up a post um, after, I think it was Bobby Farnham. I'm pretty sure it was because obviously it's Giants related and it's Giants linked. Um, Bobby Farnham um, volunteered some of the money, if not all of the money that he earned through this this tournament, this three tournament, towards the um, Blakey, the, the Giants are doing a... Um, I currently doing a um, a fundraiser for young um, Blake um, McCahy, who is they're looking to try and raise money to um, get him and his family over to a Boston Bruins game this coming season. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, Bobby Farnham put part of the earnings that he got from this tournament towards that 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 uh, that campaign. Um, and I think that was one of the first things I realized. Oh, the tournament's on. Um, so I think um, that should be noted as well. I did want to mention that. I'm just watching some of the the highlights here on the on the links that you shared, John. I want to see Marty watch a game like this. Anytime I've seen Marty watch any games where it's like three on three, the hoodies up, the strings are pulled. You know, do you know, it, do you know my favorite part of it? So- you're you're 100 right that Marty wouldn't be able to cope with it. Even better than that, it was three on three hockey that had to be decided by a shootout. Yeah, uh, Anthony. The, the 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 joke here is that the fact that um, if you are in a rink with me at any point, um, even if it doesn't seem to be an important game or whatever, uh, as soon as it hits overtime or penalties, either I start looking away and I, I I do wear mostly a hoodie under my jersey at all times, mostly so the hood does come up to the point where all the people in the season ticket where we sit uh, where we sit in our row in season ticket, the people around us now are very aware of it. So if I walk into the arena and I'm not wearing a hoodie, they're like. We're in trouble today if we get the yeah. if we get the overtime. Um, so yeah, just I, the jersey just goes up over the head instead. I mean, three ice is what it is. It's a, it's a, it's, three ice is what it is. It's a fun knock around. It's like the CHL. It doesn't mean much. It's, just it's a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, when the teams that okay. win the CHL take it seriously, I'll take it seriously. That's my feeling. <laughs> that's my feeling on the CHL. Um, guys, I think that's it. Oh, sorry, John, I think... Sorry, sorry. yes, no. sorry, that is it for period three. Uh, Marty, I noticed there's another couple of things in overtime, but I don't know if you want to cover them or not, or if you think that we've already covered them. Um, I think we've covered one. I'm just going to put the last question. Um, 
And uh, Anthony, sorry, this question is very giant centric, so I do apologize for that. Um, but it is a question that's coming in from Bevan seven 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 on on X. Um, he has asked this question with the current re- uh, with the curtain rising on the twenty twenty three twenty twenty four season. He's done less than twenty four forty eight hours, but we know it's it's less than that, even more than that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current Giants roster? Um, is there a player that you're most that is there a player that you're really relieved to see back? Um, and is there a new player that ex, um, that excites you? What new player excites you most? Um, John, let's go with you first. Um, is there a player that you're glad to see back? And then, and the new players, is there one that you're really excited about seeing? Right, I'm going to be really obvious with. I'm going to give you two that I'm really glad that are back. First one, Tyler Beskarwani. He wins us trophies. Let's be totally honest. He is lights out, the best netminder in the elite league, and has been every season that he's been in the league. Um, second one that I'm glad to see back, mostly because I'm just going to run straight away and buy his jersey, uh, Sean Norris. Uh, I'm absolutely lights out. I love the fact that he's back with us full time. Uh, player that I am really interested to see everything that I've seen about this player it suggests that he is going to be massively important for us um, on the forwards. And it's uh, Aaron Nazarian. He looks incredibly fast. Um, if he's paired up with McLeod on on a line, I think that has the potential to be a devastating line. Uh, a devastating first line uh, against the, the nine other teams in the league Great Aaron, same question to you, player coming back that you're excited to see, a new player that you're, you're, you're I, I'm going to and answer it in a slightly different way, it's similar like I did earlier because my answers would just be the same as John's like come on, it's going to be Tyler Vascoani and, and Norris um, I haven't looked into as many as the new players as I would like to to give it a proper honest answer but I'm just going to relate it back to the, the the answer that I gave earlier. It's a slightly different twist on it, and I'm just glad that to see Kiefer back as well, to see him try to repeat that success with these new players. Fair comment. Uh, Anthony, you're very welcome to answer the question if you'd like. Is there a player in the Belfast Giants you're glad to see back, and is there a player that you're excited to see from the Belfast Giants? Kieran Long. Kieran Long is one of my favourite players that I've watched over my time of watching ice hockey. Uh, multi-trophy winner in Basingstoke as well. We are very, very proud of uh, of, of how well he has done. Uh, the plan, the plan at the moment is the Coventry double header at the beginning of March. I will see if that comes to. I have the time booked off. I just need to uh, see if it comes to fruition. I'm speaking to some Blaze supporting friends of mine as to whether whether we're all going as a unit or whether I'll be flying solo for that one. So we will we will see. But no, Kez is a Kez is a ledge. Love him to death. Um, I know you have to go there, Anthony, so you're very welcome to, to, to bounce off if you need yep. to there, um, and, and that's fine. Um, and I'll just continue on with mine. Uh, so, uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, thank you, give us, a, give thank us a quick so rattle. Before you go, give us a quick rattle of Not a problem people at all. catch you. Banners on the Wall at WordPress.com is the website. The Twitter is at Banners OTW. Banners on the Wall will find will find me on Facebook, and it will also find you on you find me on YouTube. Wednesday nights, eight PM, the Watts current stream for everything across the NIHL. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Have a uh, we will see you along the way, and at some stage, some stage, we'll let really loose about development, or one of these other EIHL podcasts will have the guts to have me on. We'll really have it out. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do see it. you we'll back on back. Monday, buddy. Take care. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Cheers. See you. Bye, buddy. Um, to answer the question, because I haven't answered it yet, um, for 
first uh for me which team which player um for me i'm really excited similar to you i guess but tanner beskarwani is is obviously without a doubt the one i'm looking forward to i do own the man a pair of shoes um and- oh, no, i forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> um and in terms of player that i am looking forward to seeing i actually see a defenseman um but i think i'm kind of skewed as the reason why i'm kind of excited to see him i'm lo- excited to see miles gendron or gendron i think is how you pronounce it um mainly because i just found out a really random piece of information and i think i've seen this on social media his dog is called puck and his yes. dog his dog is in belfast with him so he flew he into dublin Yes, he flew into Dublin and he got his dog a passport. And the Giants, I think, I believe, maybe I'm wrong, and someone in the Giants organization can correct us. But I think the Belfast Giants paid for the dog's passport as well. They allowed the dog to travel with him, so the dog is living with him here in Belfast, which I just think is pure are dedication. You offering, and are you offering your services for as dog walker? Clearly, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's fantastic, and I think I think that's why maybe I'm maybe my I might I've skewed. I think he looks like a great player as well defensively. Um, and we'll see what see what we'll see what comes of it. He's a dog owner. He's clearly a good person. So I want to watch what he's like on the ice. I I get it, Marty. That's fine. I get the I get the the the, the train of thought. There. Exactly. Exactly. You're so damn transparent. <laughs> um, guys, that is it for this week. Um, I know Anthony has left us, but I I do want to say again, it's a massive massive thank you to um Anthony for joining us on the podcast this week. Um, he gave up his time to to join us uh, and talk all things NHL. He schooled us on some great stuff, really great insight, um, really great hockey mind. So we just want to say thank you again for joining us. And we will have him back. Yeah, we will have him back on again um, for yeah. sure um, in the future. Um, yeah, we've definitely uh, been threatening it for long enough. Um, yeah, like you said, massive thanks to Anthony for coming on and sticking with us through the pretty much the entire recording. Um, the last thing I want to say was like, like have like this week when we had Anthony on this week. Um, if you um, have a desire and a, and, a, and a knowledge base on anything else in relation to hockey, if it's a, a team, if it's another league, if it's something you want to come on and chat about, give us a shout. Um, we're on social media. Drop us a line. Um, we'd be happy to have a have a chat with you, especially if you're from another podcast or outlet. We're more than happy to do a bit of collaboration and joined out work um, without a doubt. So give us a shout. Um, we'd love to have you on. Um, our, we're on all of the social media channels, Facebook, uh, X, um, Trends, if it's still a thing. Um, I did post on it earlier on, but I don't really know if it's still a thing. Trends, that Facebook one? Yeah, Instagram one, yeah. Um, and we're at Door 14, um, Door 14, uh, Door 14 Hockey and all of those. Uh, check out this podcast, all of the other podcasts on our website at door14hockey.com. Um, you can check out this stream, which obviously is live right now, but you can watch it back if you want to, or you can watch it for the first time on our YouTube channel, uh, which we will add a link into um, on all of our socials and also on our podcast. And as usual, you can get our podcast from all of the usual podcast outlets. Um, <coughs> whatever that podcast might be of choice. And also don't forget your smart speakers and get them to play Door 14 Hockey Podcast. Uh, Leave us a comment, uh, like, thumbs up, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Um, And yeah, that's it really before this week. Uh, So we'll just do our usual and sign off. Hockey tomorrow night, lads. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm going to sign off. uh, So, uh, John? Oh, hi, Marty. Oh, it was going so well, and then it was a complete was. car crash at the end. It was. I'm Marty. John. I'm John. <laughs> oh man! Just end. Just click. Just click it. Just end it. Oh, uh, and and he's Aaron. Uh, oh. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>